For more than a decade, Saturdays and Illegal Curve have been synonymous with one another. With insight, analysis, and interviews regarding the Winnipeg Jets, the Manitoba Moose, and all around the NHL, here are Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg, and your host, Drew Mandel. The Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Good morning, Winnipeg. Good morning, Manitoba. For all those joining us live this morning on our YouTube channel and all of our social media platforms, we say good morning, universe, and welcome to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. It's our playoff preview. We are in-depth on the Jets and the Golden Knights all morning long. We'll also touch on all the other series. It is by far the best time of the year with this being playoff season good morning to my two colleagues dave manuk ezra ginsburg gentlemen good, good morning to you both on this saturday morning apologies for the late start folks we are say that again as a hair past a freckle is that what the expression you taught me this morning hair past a freckle yeah i'm surprised that you've never heard that i feel like that's something that like it's a joke like an elementary school type of joke right where because you're not wearing a watch you say hair past a freckle so Let's see if the chat's heard of that one. I thought that was like a very common, you know, saying, but, you know, maybe Dave, not. Dave, can you, are you familiar with hair? Past I, I feel like, you know, if someone looks at the, I think as he's right, you know, you're in your kid, you don't want to watch and you go, oh yeah. If someone asks you the time, you say it's a hair past the freckle. I, I've heard well, that before. I mean, it makes sense. I've never heard it. I've never used it. I might start to steal it. Uh, well, Drew, back in back in the 1950s when you were growing up, they didn't really use that expression. Pocket watches is what we had. We didn't actually have wristwatches. Yeah, watches. yeah. yeah. monocles. And, and when you took a rickshaw to school, that's, that's why right. it was. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, I, and the, I didn't have air conditioning back then. I just had a, somebody fanning me with a giant block of ice behind me at all times that when I got well. a little warm. There you go. Still the best moment in TSN 1290 history was when someone called in specifically to ask if Drew was really old to Remus, and Remus didn't really know how to answer. Uh, that was the funniest thing ever. Obviously, Drew is only one year older than me, but uh, he's got an 80-year-old soul. And for, the record, for the record, James Robinson's grandmother said that all the time, As he said, okay, there you well, go. There you go. At least as he's, uh, as he's in tune with the grandmother. Although, although, Spenty, grandmother although Spenty says oh, grandma's lovely. Can't recall that from his playground days. <laughs> In any event, we will continue on the hair past. <laughs> well, Rob, 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 Summer, Rob Summerville got you, Drew. He said you used a sundial. That's true. I, I, I'm that, how old is Drew? He's so old he used a sundial. <laughs> then I'm well, Yeah, exactly. The rest of the oh. show brought to you by our friends of Rumors, of course. Uh, nonetheless, let's get into it, gentlemen. It's playoff time. It's the playoff preview show. Playoffs. It's a great day. Playoffs. Playoffs. Playoffs, playoffs. I Is used that still that. a thing, guys? I can go, you know, into what's up if you want to do that. But I mean, <laughs> whatever. No, I think we're, I think we're okay in the, in the, in the using the playoffs uh, meme. I used it yesterday on the show preview tweet because you just have to use it. I mean, whether you're, it's timeless. Think... Like it is timeless. That's never going to get old. It's always going to be funny. It is a, it is never going to be. Oh, Kenny's water ball thinks his grandmother thinks I'm cute. That's nice, Kenny. I appreciate have that. Your, have her eyes checked, uh, Kenny. I'm taken, but I'm flattered nonetheless. Who's the sexiest man in Winnipeg amongst grandmas? I hate, you know, it's a, I have very limited my... vision. <laughs> they, they, we, that's why we get along because I have my limited vision. They have their limited vision. You know, nobody's able to drive at night. It's a great, it's a great time for everybody. <laughs> Just daytime dates. That's all. We're, that's all we're going on. Is this a hockey show? 
it, it, I'm not even sure anymore. Speaking of daytime games, we, have, we now, of course, know that the uh, Jets Golden Knights game three is going to be a daytime affair here in downtown Winnipeg next Saturday, three o'clock puck drop in the afternoon. Uh, let's get into the series. Which means there's going to be a lot of hungover people by seven o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's going to be like Wine Fest. You ever see when, you know, the, the early shift for Wine Fest where people are just stumbling out of the convention center? It's like yeah, five like zombies. Yeah, <laughs> they're just, they're, they're purple tongues, you know. Uh, the people are wearing you know, the, the women are hearing their high heels at this point in time because they're not able to walk in them anymore. It's just an ugly scene all around. That might be what downtown Winnipeg looks like uh, next Saturday afternoon. Well, guys, we got it. We got we got a bold prediction by Jay Miller. What's that? He says the Jets are going to win by a hair past the freckle. Okay, well, they, <laughs> there you I like go. it. That's I agree with Jay. I, I, we're going to get into it here, but I think this is going to be a very close series. And if you read Jesse Granger's article in the Athletic, shout out to Jesse, who we've had on the show many times before yeah I mean, you break down all the stats i mean there's the, the big advantage is obviously in net with connor hellebuck but i i don't think a lot of people are going to be picking four or five games like i have this series going to at least six games for sure yeah i mean i don't think it's going to be that one-sided four or five and we'll get into it and we'll do our predictions throughout the course of the show of course but you know from my perspective had this series let's say the jets sneak into the playoffs and they sneak in not so much by virtue of their own solid play, but the fact mm. that they had built up that significant lead and Nashville and Calgary just run out of time. And some could argue that that could have been the case, but the Jets did finish the regular season very strong. I mean, seven and three. You know that that's a you know the 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 winning the five out of the six uh, before Thursday's game, which obviously was meaningless to me. Right now, this team is playing with a swagger. And that's a positive thing that they mm-hmm. haven't had for a lot of the second half of the season. Now, swagger is only going to get you so far. Uh, you know, there, you obviously still need. You to- can't teach grace. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you either have it or you don't, Drew. Thank you for the Seinfeld reference there. But I think the fact that this team is now playing with a another degree of confidence and they seem to. Uh, that that last homestand seems to maybe have settled them down, and it wasn't it wasn't as big of a struggle as it had been for so long, especially since after the All Star break. That I think that's going to certainly benefit this team going into this matchup with the Golden Knights. Because if you look at it on paper, or you strictly just look at it in the standings, it looks like it's more one sided than I truly think it actually is going to be. As you're a hundred percent right, this is not. If you look exactly, if you just look strictly at the standings, right? Mm-hmm. And we should mention this was Vegas's highest point total uh, since joining the league in, in 2017, 2018 with 111, right? So yeah. there's a 16 point difference. So you're saying, okay, well, that's, you know, eight wins or whatever combination of wins and, and overtime shootout losses, right? So you're saying, okay, yeah, first place team versus the second wild card team. Yeah. You know, Vegas is the big favorite here. But, you know, I mentioned Jesse Granger's article, which I'm sure we're going to mention a few times. We'll mention Murat's article as well because we're, going to have him on in about 50 minutes but I mean if you just look at whether it's offensive metrics defensive metrics uh goaltending defense I mean these teams are very similar kind of mm-hmm. middle of the pack right like yeah. most of most of the rankings in terms of goals for goals against expected goals for expected goals against they're kind of in between like 10th and and 16th in the NHL right so I mean really the the big advantage I think is for Vegas is probably their forward depth on the bottom two lines. And obviously Mark Stone, we'll get into to Mark Stone, who obviously hasn't played since January, right. but it is announced that he is going to be available to the Golden Knights for the series. And Mark Stone is obviously, you know, a huge factor. I think if Stone isn't healthy, Dave, 
I think the Jets are, are the favorite. I think he's that impactful, right? Like he's maybe top five best two-way forward in the league, right? Great offensive yeah. player, but we know how good he is, you know, at turnovers and how, he's just a great defensive forward, right? Yeah. So I think the advantage, um, you know, going into the series, if there is one, is for Vegas, but it's very, very minimal, I would say. I think this is a coin flip series. I really think, I mean, the Jets are going to win at least a game in Winnipeg, let's be honest. I mean, that whiteout crowd is going to give them a huge advantage. So I, I really see the first four games being splits. I think the Jets you know, are going to win one of the games in Vegas. Obviously, if you win game number one, you have a huge advantage in the series because now the other team's chasing. But um, I think this series is going to be very even, Dave. And you know, Lauren Brassois, even though he's not the guy that we expected to be the starting goalie, he hasn't lost a game in regulation. So there's a lot of good intriguing storylines in addition to the fact that this is a rematch of the 2018 West Final. The storylines are are immense. Uh, you know, this isn't two teams that, uh, you know, just sort of get matched up in the first round of the playoffs that aren't altogether familiar with one another. It's sort of like the, you know, the Colorado-Seattle matchup. That's sort of more of a random matchup between two teams with a lot of, without a lot of history, of course, Seattle being the, you know, second year in the league. But Dave M., you, you look at this matchup and the, the storylines galore, the ties between Winnipeg and the Golden Knights organization, the history, because, you know, with the exception of, say, Jack Eichel and Pierre-Luc Dubois, a lot of the cores uh, mm -hmm. are, are, are similar to what uh, were in the Western Conference final a number of years ago. So I don't think for a second that there is that it won't take long, I don't think, for any lingering bad blood to quickly develop between these two teams who haven't really seen each other in a number of months. But I still think that they, it's not going to take long for the rivalry to be heavily renewed between these two. No, absolutely not. But I do agree with it, what Ezzy said in that assessment. This is this doesn't seem like an eight versus one. This seems like a four versus five mm -hmm. matchup. And I think that's you know that speaks to the Jets squandering their opportunity because I think they're a better team than their record necessarily indicates. Even though we often say your record is who you are, but I think that I think that going back to when Rick Bonus made these line changes, the line changes work. Right now, these lines are working. The Jets. Advanced stats, if you look at them, they are working in their favor. They're like the metrics are all, uh, you know, towards the Jets. And in the last 15 games between Jets and Vegas, it's like identical. They're like mirror images. That's why I say to me, this is more of a four versus a five than it is a one versus an eight. And so, and and then if you if you go with that toss up, how much of an impact can Mark Stone have? I know he was skating again, and I know that, as he just said, he's going to be available, and we know how good Mark Stone is when he's healthy and when he's been playing all season long. But, I mean, to get going, to get your first game of the playoffs, your first game of the season, you know, in a long time in the playoffs, mm -hmm. that's that's not going to be an easy task. So, you know, I, I do wonder how much of an impact that's going to have on Mark Stone, how much of an impact, sorry, Mark Stone can have on, on this series, because I agree with Ezzy. If he's healthy... He's a complete difference maker. I mean, he just completely dominates that. That I, I, he completely dominates from what he what he's capable of doing. And then you throw in the Jack Eichel factor. Amazing to think that this is Jack Eichel's first crack at playoffs, but obviously spent so many years in Buffalo not making the playoffs. So <laughs> I, I I do really think it's going to be fascinating. I think the Lowry line is going to be exceptionally important for this Jets team in terms of shutting down uh, Eichel and company and and getting those matchups and i think that ultimately the other thing that is remarkable to me is the fact that you want to laud this this vegas team they've had five different goaltenders and they've still finished with as the first the most points in the western conference like that's that's a testament to they've got a very strong defensive core mm -hmm. 
And it's like, they, it's like Carolina style, right? We always talk about yeah. how Carolina never needs to spend a lot of money on their goaltenders, right? Like it was Alex Nedeljkovic uh, a year ago or two years ago, and then obviously it's Freddie Anderson now, Anti Ranta. Like the, the 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 Hurricanes are a great example, Dave, of when you have really good team defense in front of you. It it doesn't matter, you know, it, how good you're. I shouldn't say it doesn't matter, but you don't have to have like a top five goalie in net for you, right? Well, it's yeah. certainly, yeah, yeah, you know, if you're sorry, Dave, go, I was trying to go back to you there, but I just wanted to get that in there. Yeah, if if you're going to go inexpensive and in goal, you should have you better have a damn good defense in front, exactly. and that's that goal is of course on a rookie contract. But to your point, Dave, about Mark Stone hasn't played in Jan since January 12th. That was the last time he played played right. four, just under four minutes in the game against the Florida Panthers. Well, that's you know January to February, February to March, March to April. That's three months uh, of being out of game action. So it, to expect him to step in and be uh, the same impactful Mark Stone as he would be, you know, in the course of a regular regular season where he's playing every second night is probably uh, it, it would probably be a little bit foolish. That said, no matter what percentage of Mark Stone you're getting, he does impact the series. He is going to make the Vegas Golden Knights a better team in this playoff series. But you know, you are both you're both right with a lot of your points. You know, in you look strictly at the points gained in the course of the regular season and the, the disparity there, the Golden Knights have a ton more, 16 more than the Jets. I look at regulation win. That's the number that I'm looking at because a regulation win means that you're beating your, your opponent you know, in the first 60 minutes of the game, when the game is largely played at five on five, you know, even strength, of course, penalties. But you well, know, and just, large, to quick, just to quickly jump on, there's no yeah. three on three overtime in playoffs. No, there is not. So, so you're right, Drew. It, it, yeah. it, it is, it is, a, it's not, a, it's, it? a de it's a deceptive <laughs> number when you say, unless you're looking at those regulation wins. Right. So I'm just strictly looking at regulation wins. You know, the Golden Knights have 38 regulation wins. Well, the Jets have 36. You know, the Jets were, were a team that was pretty good in regulation uh, in terms of getting their wins. We know that if they... The Jets didn't like overtime. It's pretty obvious. They wanted to end the games after 60 minutes. Well, I mean, they, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's a fair point. As they, they certainly didn't like losing in overtime. They, like, they, they were like, what, 7-1? Yeah, exactly. They, uh, they, you know, a lot of their, you know, when they won, they often won in regulation. When they lost, they often lost in regulation. Correct. Mm -hmm. So, but, you know. It, you, can, you can basically, you're making a good point here. I mean, it's true. Like, if you look at regular, it just shows you how much closer the Golden Knights and the Jets are, right? And right. if the Jets have, let's say, 99 or 100 points, yeah. And the Golden Knights have, let's say, 107 and 108. Then we're saying, oh, okay, well, they're a little bit closer than, than you know, 16-point difference. So, really, you can just throw the points out the window, right? Four years ago, the, the Blue Jackets upset the Lightning. Uh, was that three years ago or four years ago? I forget. I think it was 2019. The Blue Jackets swept the Lightning. So, I mean, what did that point disparity mean, right? Like, mm -hmm. really, you start from scratch. The playoffs is a, is, a, is a whole new animal. We talk about it every year. There's going to be an upset. I mean, I don't think Florida's upsetting Boston. I Don't put me in that category because I think the Bruins are going to handle the Panthers. I think the Panthers might win a game or two, boys. But I'm just saying, like, you know, upsets happen every year, to Dave's point, whether it's a, you know, a three versus six seed, one versus eight. Um, and we should also mention here with the goaltending for those, you know, who, who might not be aware, Logan Thompson was the number one goalie for the mm -hmm. Golden Knights. He was having a good year. So it was Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. And then, you know, Lauren Persuad was the third string goalie. And then obviously yeah, Jonathan was, Quick was, was a, expired. Was so right Henderson now, for a lot of no, don't, don't forget about Michael right. Hutchinson. He was, he was. He was with the Hender, yeah, Henderson Silver Knights, Brossois. Yeah. And so Brossois right now is the starter. But we should mention 
that mm-hmm. Logan Thompson could be available in this series. So, I mean, they do have the option, but right now it's they also Rasois still have Jonathan Quick. Quick there. Jonathan Quick. Yeah, they, he's the backup now. He's been yeah. he's been the backup. I just wanted to mention that for those who who didn't have the most recent update that Logan Thompson could be uh, an option right now, but it looks like Lauren Brassois is the guy. Well, he's been at, on, at least for the fir- first few games of the series. Well, he's been on, you know, as long as the Golden Knights are winning, he's going to be their goalie. He's been on the, the probably the best streak of his career, uh, you know, as of late. I don't think he's lost in regulation in his last he's 7 0 3, or maybe that's right, something like that. Just really playing the best hockey of his career at a very optimal time. But again, this is a guy who wouldn't have had any playoff experience, uh, to speak of, certainly no significant playoff experience. And, you know, it, it's you know, no matter how well he's playing, it's still an advantage to the Winnipeg Jets, obviously, with Connor Hellebuck in that. But the goaltending situation in Vegas is one of those uh, really interesting ones. Because, look, if Connor Hellebuck has an off day or gives up a bad goal or whatever, you know, it's not like there's a debate that they're going to go with David Riddick. In Vegas, if Lauren Brassois struggles or has an off day or 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 you know has a bad start to the to the series or runs into a bit of a slump at any point you know there's going to be a fair bit of a conversation because of the number of options that they also have behind him and it's not like anyone is is is, is saying Lauren Poisson he sees the job over the last 10 days and 10 games for the Golden Knights but I don't think he's got a stranglehold on that job uh, for perpetuity, no. like a guy no. like Connor Hellebuck does. No, and that and that's the biggest difference, right, guys? Like Hellebuck is coming into the playoffs on a heater. Like we all know, the nine thirty save percentage, all the wins. He was a big reason why the Jets got into the playoffs, right? No and reason. I just checked a hockey D- DB. Brossois only got one game of playoff experience with the Oilers because, of course, that's who he started his NHL career with. But that honestly could have been like he could have just come in for a period. I don't yeah. think he even started that game. I'd have to go back and check. But regardless if it's half of a game or, or one game, that's not a lot of playoff experience. When you're talking about Connor Hellebuck, he's had many years of playoff experience, including that 2018 run. So, the, the Dave, the huge advantage in net is with the Jets. Nobody is going to dispute that. And right. I, I do think that the X factor is Mark Stone, right? Like I don't think he's going to score a hat trick in, in game one. If he has a big impact in this series, it's going to be later in the series because, as Drew mentioned, or I'm not sure, Dave, if you mentioned it earlier, he hasn't played since January, right? So that's that's three months there, mm-hmm. you know, roughly that you're you're talking about that he hasn't played, right? All of these other players, you know, are are are, are in the middle of of the season, if you want to call it that, or they've been playing meaningful hockey for the last several weeks, right? So that's going to be a, a huge factor i think and you know we will get in i know drew wants to get into the some of the matchups and, and the line combinations and everything like that but like yeah. the the jack eichel like jack eichel jonathan marcia so like marcia so obviously had the big goal against the jets earlier in the season i think that was in december he had the winning goal he's been a bit of a jets killer but you go down the lineup like you know our show uh drew and i often talk about how much we like chandler stevenson mm-hmm. riley smith like this is a good golden knights team but when you have uh, Shifley, Connor, and Dubois playing the way they are. I think the Jets have the advantage when you, if you go top line versus top line. It's I think when you get into the depth lines that you might give uh, the Golden Knights a little bit of an advantage. But you've got Niederreiter, Lowry, and Appleton playing at a very high level right now. So I really think the forwards are a bit of a wash. I really think the only advantage I would give the the Golden Knights is their back end. I like their group of defensemen is stronger than the Jets. Well, you know that's what you know that's what makes this series so fascinating is that it is 
much closer than it appears when you strictly look at standings. I was talking to Ken Belke, uh, who covers the uh, the Golden Knights for Sinbin. Uh, Sinbin Vegas is, is, is his website. Uh, and, and we were talking about the, the matchup and everything else and how, you know, you look at it strictly on paper and the Golden Knights seem to have an advantage. You know, and then we were looking at expected goals for. The Golden Knights are sort of an anomaly their expected goals for is actually lower than the Winnipeg Jets. Their yeah, expected goals for percentage. The Jets are 13th at 51.62%, sort of where we would expect them, a middle-of-the-pack team with a middle-of-the-pack expected goals for percentage. Meanwhile, the Golden Knights are actually lower, 50.87. So the Golden Knights have dramatically outscored their expected goals for this year. And so, you know, does that, you know, eventually, uh, you know, does that not luck, but, you know, do, do the numbers eventually catch up to them? It, you know, does that, when does that happen? If Sure, it but you know what? Sorry. You're right, Drew. I mean, the numbers are numbers, facts are facts, but I always take those with a grain of salt. I know you do as well, but like, we're talking about a difference of like 0.2, sure. point, it's a small point three, right? And yeah. that's what, that's what my, my whole point is. I'm picking, I'm going to you know, play spoiler here. I'm picking the Jets and not just because we're a Winnipeg-based show. I'm picking the Jets, but mainly because I think, to your point about expected goals for, expected goals against, um, you know, the the fact that neither of these teams have a very good power play and aren't teams that take a lot of penalties. Like Drew always talks about even strength offense. This mm-hmm. series will be most likely determined at even strength, right? Like, I mean, there's going to be power plays and power play goals and everything like that. But I think the difference between these teams at even strength is minimal. And I give the Jets the advantage because mainly of Connor Hellebuck. I really do. Well, I mean, Connor Halbach, of course, is a huge difference maker. This Golden Knights team, though, Dave, and I think you were you were nodding along with me. They're not a great possession team. Mm-hmm. You know, the Jets are a better possession team at five on five during the regular season. The yep. Jets were, you know, fifty one point five seven percent. That puts them eleventh in the NHL. Golden Knights were in the bottom of the league, bottom third of the league, just under, just over forty eight point one percent. So it's not a great possession Golden Knights team, which is sort of a, a, an interesting part of this series because usually the Jets aren't the aren't the great possession team, but they're actually better than the Golden Knights have been during the regular season uh, so far this year at, at five on five. No, and and again, it's more about what have you done for me lately. I mean, we mm-hmm. talked about like people talking about how David Riddick was good early in the year, and I and I kind of went off. I last game, I said, well, who cares what you've done, you know, in January and in November, and and it's that's why I throw out the games against the Golden Knights for the most part because, I mean, even though the Jets were playing you know well at those times, and they the, the, the two of the three games were were one goal games, mm-hmm. but still like those teams haven't played in three months. Right. And if you if you compared the Jets in you know mid February to March, you don't necessarily like that that Jets club going up up against Vegas. You look at this Jets club right now, and I've talked about it before, and I've said this, and I've, I've discussed this before. You know, you don't have to be firing on all cylinders to win a Stanley Cup in order, you know, to, to the last ten games of the season. But the Jets needed to be as to the way you started the show saying if the Jets would have just been, or maybe you didn't start the show this way, but because we were doing a little bit of a nonsense scene. But like <laughs> if if the Jets had just simply gotten in by luck in the sense that they had already built up enough of a mm-hmm. of a standings bank that they could say, OK, the runways run out on Nashville, Calgary. We're in, but we weren't playing well. And so therefore, we're, you know, we'll hope Connor Hellebuck will be Hellebuckian and we won't. You know, that's how we'll be able to handle the the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Well, now, as I was saying earlier, 
You've got a team that is firing on all cylinders. You've got lines that are working. All these combinations seem to be working. And of course, there's still the question as to whether Nick Ehlers is going to be 100% healthy and Kevin Stanland is going to be 100% healthy. And we know the Jets are practicing today at 12 noon. It's their first playoff practice. So practice. So anyway, so we'll see what happens there in terms of who gets on the ice and who doesn't and whether Rick Bonus gives us any sort of insight afterwards. But well, and we know in... in can I interrupt you for a second? Sure, of if course. Ehlers isn't on the ice, that's a huge factor in, in, in this series. Oh, no, it'll be maintenance. Well, I mean, they'll say it's, you know, of course, you'll never believe, you know, you, know, you won't get the true story, of course, because that's, well, that's what happens at this That was the point year. I was making. Right. Yeah. I know that's the point you're making. But if Ehlers is not on the ice, because we know that he has suffered an upper body injury uh, on that dirty hit by Ryan Hartman. Then this entire series takes on a completely different, right? Uh, you know, uh, uh, look. And they're, actually gonna, they're actually going to have Ehlers skating at a secret location. Like he's going to be skating <laughs> at like Varsity View Sportsplex or something, or they're going to have him at like Eric Coy Arena so nobody can see him. But no, but you're absolutely right, Drew. I mean, if he's not on the ice today, that's that's a not a good sign. I'm not going to say red flag. It's not a red flag, but well, if he's flag. not if he's not on the ice when the Jets practice in Vegas, because I assume I don't know this, but I assume the Jets are going to be there Monday by Monday at the latest, right? Like, I don't think you're. I you're would assume good. that they're going to that they practice. They'll practice today and tomorrow, and then here. Well, hey, with, with the shena- hey, with the shenanigans Vegas did last year, they may be better off practice. Or sorry, in 2018, yeah, they may they they may be better off being in Winnipeg practicing here and and but putting you know off I mean, their right? time going to Vegas. I mean, obviously, he's referring you know, to the Golden Knights staff turning the lights off before the and not putting the nets out again, and not putting the nets out. It's pretty funny nonsense like that that becomes uh, that that becomes hey, two, the, two two can play that game, right? The Jets can do that to the Golden Knights if they really want to i don't think the they'll, they'll do that but yeah I, I think you want to see him on the ice today but you you definitely you know if he's not on the ice uh, on monday when the team practices ahead of game one then then that would be a red flag and indicate that most likely he's not going to play but yeah i mean ehlers is playing the probably the best hockey of the season now so that's a big one and kevin stenland isn't insignificant either to dave's point right like mm-hmm. he's been good on the penalty kill we know that he can play center and wing you know, he uh, combined with Axel Janssen Fialbi for a goal against Colorado, right? So mm-hmm. Stenland's been a useful player, but obviously Ehlers is the big one. So hopefully he, he'll be ready to go for game one. Well, that's just exactly what the Winnipeg – they need to be at full strength. We know that Cole Perfetti is still wearing the red non-contact jersey, and, you know, the expectation would be that you wouldn't see him at least to start the series. But it's amazing how quickly come playoff time some of those non-contact jerseys can be shed uh, for regular colored jerseys. But let's uh, that's, that's take him on face value that he's not going to be ready at least to start the series. Uh, but Ehlers, you know, because this is the – this is the Jets, I think, best forward depth that we've seen all season, where they actually I would agree with that. Yeah. Where they seem to have three lines that have been able to contribute, especially with Niederreier, uh, Lowry, and Appleton now contributing a little bit offensively as of right. late as well. So all of a sudden, if you're going, you know, nine forwards deep with offense, which has been such a problem for this Jets team for so long, it definitely changes the complexion of how you have to match up. Because um, Ehlers most likely drew, if Ehlers isn't ready to go, I think you guys would agree the logical, uh, you know, player to move up is Nino Niederreiter, and then Morgan Barron goes on the third line, which shows you that how much better the depth for the Jets is at forward now that Chevy acquired Niederreiter and Nemesnikov, right? Be- right? Because before you didn't really like it, you were bumping up like you know Axel Janssen Fialbi. No offense to him, or you were you know bumping mm-hmm. up you know, whoever you want to pick here. 
Carson uh, Kuhlman to Carson the third Kuhl line or somebody like that, right? Yeah. So now Niederreiter, you know, can contribute on that second line um, with Nemesnikov and Wheeler if that, you know, sticks together as, as the second line, which I imagine it will. That's another thing, guys, to talk about here. Like, are, at what point, if at any point, are we going to see Mark Shifley up the middle, right? Because I think you guys would agree that Mark Shifley on the wing with Kyle Connor and Pierre-Luc Dubois has worked out well. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, this is the playoffs now and matchups are so important. And Jack Eichel, Chandler Stevenson, I mean, they have a good one-two punch up the middle. Right now. And then we're going to go to break. William Carlson is the other center. So Chandler Stevenson has actually been centering the third line at times. Right. But right now, the way that that uh, line for the Jets has been playing, I think that they're going to roll with it. I don't see any change happening. I think so, too. Yeah. You know, especially because, Dave, and you, you mentioned it, the, the success that that top line for the Jets, that's been how they've been having. I mean, you look at, you know, uh, again, at five on five, the Jets, you know, top line, you know, Connor Dubois, Shifley, outscored their opponents eight to three. Mm-hmm. Second line, Ehlers, Nemesnikov, Wheeler, seven nothing. They've outscored their opponents in the last, you know, sort of handful of games since this uh, experiment started. Since this tweak began, even Niederreiter, Lowry, Appleton, 6-1, they're outscoring the opponent in the fourth line, playing everyone to a draw. The Jets have been controlling the play over the last seven or eight games. Now, does that carry over to the playoffs? Would some of those teams say, yes, but we weren't necessarily, uh, we were we were maybe t- took our foot a bit off the gas in, you know, in some of those games? Well, I don't know. The Jets have been playing pretty well, and they don't need to worry about that. They need to worry about what they can control, and what they can control is that their forwards have been playing some pretty good hockey over the last couple of weeks. Much more to come. Steve, on- by the way, got got to address that comment from Steve. What's funny about that comment? I'm not sure if Steve, um, you know, was thinking this as well. But who was the goalie for LA in 2012? Jonathan Quick, obviously, Quick. right? <laughs> so pretty funny. But yeah, I think I mean just because the Jets are a wild card team, going back to what we were saying kind of 20 minutes ago or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, you know, you can really throw the points out the door. Like this is going to be a very even series. Yeah. And I don't think many people, you know, are going to be picking this to end in five games or anything like that. I think you're going to see a, a nice long series and that's what you want to see. There's only one dominant team in the Western Conference as far as I'm concerned. And that's the Seattle. Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> Not in Seattle, but they've been, they've been good hockey team. The Edmonton Oilers are the only dominant team right Absolutely. now in the Western yeah. Conference. They, ha- they have to be the favorite, don't they? They are. I, I they, There's no question about it. I looked at it on earlier this week with our friends at Betway, and I know we're not going to get into a betting segment because that's not necessarily what we do, but the odds that I got on the Oilers to win the Western Conference, I was surprised at how, at how high they were, and I was sure. glad to jump on that. because uh, I have a question. I, yeah. Is, is Spency the producer of our show now? <laughs> is he telling us that we have to go to break? Is that it? Is that why Spencey's telling yeah, us? Spencey wants us to go to break here, guys. So let's listen. Well, we don't want Murphy sitting for 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, come on. I don't want Spencey to fire 10, me. Though, Dave. Oh, right. I forgot. So then why are we going to break for them? Well, you got to take a break. You got to do, you have to pay some bills, as, as Spencey's reminding you. In any event, much more on the Jets and the Golden Knights. We'll look at some of the forward matchups. You know, who gets the Eichel matchup? Pierre Luc Dubois. You know, we know how good he's been as a shutdown center before. How does he factor in? Much more to come. We're all about the Jets and the Golden Knights. Don't go anywhere. Saturday morning, we're live with the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Bottom of the hour. Welcome back to the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on this Saturday morning. Drew Mandel, Dave Manuk, Ezra Gen. Ginsburg. I was going to call you Ezra Ginsburg for some reason. You can call but me think, Ezra Ginsburg. That's okay, fine. Yeah, we're, we're, we've just met each other recently. We don't have a long-term history. Well, so you remember the, the best misspelling of my name was when we were in first-year university and we played uh, intramural hockey at Max Bell Arena slash Wayne Fleming Arena. I'm not sure yeah. if it was Wayne Fleming back then. 
um, but it's now Wayne Fleming, so we're going to call it that at the Max Bell Center. And they, I wasn't a student at U of M. I was a University of Winnipeg student, a proud, a proud Westman. I was an interloper. Is, is, is yeah, I was, I was, I was like Van Ginsburg. I was in university for like eleven years, but you know, I went, I went to University of Winnipeg, yeah. uh, where my dad taught math for 30, 32 years. Shout out to you, Dad, if you're watching right now. He taught um, a great deal of number of students, except for his own son. His own son couldn't quite grasp the math. Know, I tried to take linear algebra from my dad, but he's like, get out of my office. Um, <laughs> but, but shout out to my dad. I think he was How'd you get this phone number? Yeah, the most handsome man to ever walk the uh, walk the stairs of the University of Winnipeg. But um, where was I going with this? I completely lost my train of thought your here. Name. Something about your name at, uh, when we were playing. It's the Smith spelling of, of Ginsburg. Sorry, sorry, guys. I needed some more brain cells there. Um, I was only half listening. I still remember. Yeah, they they spelled my name Ezka Ginsbung. So I thought that was pretty funny. That uh, you know, I don't know where that came from, but yeah. So, so a, a couple of guys like our buddy Dan Goldstein always calls me Dan uh, Ezka Ginsbung. So I used to get I used to get mail from the Assiniboine Downs when I was a kid, and it was it was addressed to David Manuel, which sounded like manure. So I thought it kind of made sense. <laughs> manuel, well, or kind of like manute manute bowl. Yeah, between Manuel in the top right and Ginsbung in the bottom middle, uh, you know, <laughs> I think I'll stick with my name, Drew Mandel. This is the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Remind you folks that, of course, Tuesday night after the Jets and the Golden Knights, it is going to be the Illegal Curve post game show. So be sure to lock it here onto our YouTube channel. Only place you want to be right here with the three of us. When the game ends, we begin talking about the Jets and the Golden Knights game number one on Tuesday night and again on Thursday night we'll be here throughout the entirety of the Winnipeg Jets run in the Stanley Cup playoffs it's gonna be late nights again boys it's gonna be like it was in that Jets Oilers series yeah it was going to be uh, the only difference except for that Saturday afternoon game but you're uh, otherwise yeah. you're absolutely like right. the Saturday afternoon game that's always fun it'll be like an afternoon playoff game. games are, di are different the regular yeah. season afternoon games okay take it or leave it but I always love a nice uh playoff afternoon game on a Saturday. I mean, it's going to be perfect for us, right? We're going to be previewing the game next Saturday. There you go. And of course, the Illegal Curve Overtime Pool returns courtesy of our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club. So anytime a game goes into overtime, send us who you think is going to score the overtime winner. If you get, if you pick the overtime winner correctly, you may be entered or you will be entered to win a prize courtesy of our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club. We run that contest through our Twitter feed at illegal curve so be sure that you're uh, keep it locked there as well for and it's one one player dave's pointing the ic logo the ic yeah. ot pool you pick one player drew always gets upset because usually when and you know there's going to be an overtime first night that's always the best i think we oh, all yeah. agree when you get an overtime on the first night of the playoffs but it's only one player total you don't pick one player from each team uh -uh. that's the, uh, the bucci gross overtime challenge a lot of people pick one player from each team but we only do one player we keep yeah. it and you and you avoid whatever Weeb is doing because Kenny likes to try oh, and yeah, Kenny has his cool too. Yeah, he's yeah. he's been trying to horn in on our little uh, our contest, yeah, which we've yeah. been doing for years. Yes, exactly. So, I have the yeah. notes to prove it. That's right. So you know we're gonna have to break Kenny's legs. I've got the notes to prove it, and Kenneth has the toques to prove it. Yeah. Kenny's already in Vegas, by the way. I'm not sure if you guys knew that he I went right from that. Colorado to Vegas. Yes, he must did. be nice. Yeah, so yeah, he was he was he went to a show last night. I saw on uh, on Instagram. Ken went to check out some sort of show last night uh, on the Strip. Uh, I'm not sure. I think it was maybe. Uh, is it, would you call it a strip show? No, I would call it maybe a Cirque show on the strip. I don't think that he went to uh, see a strip show. But the first and only time I went to a Cirque show, I fell asleep. Really? No, they're boring. 
<laughs> Dave M hates. That's what Dave M's all about. He's fueled I saw by an Elvis impersonator in Vegas. Or, no, sorry, not Elvis. Uh, that was in Mexico. Or, no, I don't even know if I've ever seen an Elvis impersonator. No, it was, see, that uh, was just some guy who lured you into no, his. Into Michael his Jackson house. is what we saw in Mexico. I saw a Frank Sinatra impersonator in Vegas. It was very good, very well done. Thank you for that. Very uh, lifelike. Thank you for the. So, but you saw. I'll tell you where you saw an Elvis impersonator, Dingus. You saw an Elvis impersonator. Oh, yeah, on my bachelor party. On your bachelor, bachelor party. party in uh, Brainerd, Brainerd, Minnesota. Brainerd, Minnesota. That's right. Drew, I drank so much beer that I don't remember any of that bachelor party. And, and speaking of Dan Goldstein, he fell asleep on the toilet during that bachelor party. So uh, that was a good one. And he's and they're both married with children, folks. So we got that going with Horace. Uh, the, the, let's look into the matchups a little bit as we've completely derailed ourselves like we usually do. The matchups. For, so Jack Eichel is obviously the biggest name on the Golden Knights in terms of their offense. He's the one who's, uh, you know, leading And he will be healthy for game one because he missed some time towards the end of the year. Right. But he's healthy for game one. He leads the team uh, in points this year, just under a point a game. He had 67 games played, 66 points. So everyone knows how dangerous dangerous Jack Eichel is. Is that Adam Lowry's matchup as much as, as Rick bonus can get it? That, I think you know, so. That, you, know, you know, okay. So you guys are, I was going to say, yeah, and, and, and obviously blood, first change, you don't, of, right. of, of, of taking on some of those difficult matchups. Do you, I'm well. sorry. Do you, do you want Mark Shifley and Kyle Connor no, playing defense uh, no, against the top no, line no. of Vegas? But, Absolutely but, not. Well, to Drew's point though, I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois has the ability to be that shutdown center, right? And I think you, you probably will see that at, at times, like, especially as we mentioned with last change not being right. there yeah. for the first couple of games, right? But yeah, Drew, I think absolutely you want the Lowry-Appleton-Niederreiter uh, line, or if Niederreiter does get moved up because of Ehlers' injury, we're, we're just not sure right now. Regardless, it'll be Lowry and Appleton, we know, um, as a pair on that third line with either you know Niederreiter or Barron. I think we'd all agree Morgan Barron fits in there seamlessly because he's played there before, right, Dave? But right. yeah, absolutely, Lowry. And, and speaking of the Jets, you know, playing... Um, well towards the end of the season, the last seven or eight games or nine games of the season. Mm -hmm. I mean, Lowry is right up there. I mean, there were how many fans were saying, you know, put the C on Adam Lowry based on what he was doing. So yeah, that's the matchup you would like. Um, you know, and and to be honest with you, the only line that really I think you would say it would be a pretty big mismatch is Nemesnikov and, and Wheeler and if it's Ehlers or, or Niederreiter, right? Just because of the obvious yeah. For um, conversation's you know, sake. Let's assume the lines stay as the Jets want them. Sure. To stay. Yeah. So sure. you, you you most likely, if you're Rick Bonus, you know you'll try to get that matchup at at, at five on five. And uh, the second line we talked about that's William Carlson, Riley Smith, Mike Amadio. But I haven't watched the Golden Knights. I'd have to ask Jesse Granger about this. But you know Chandler Stevenson has played third line center. But Chandler Stevenson before Jack Eichel arrived was the number one center for the Golden Knights. So the yeah. the, the Golden Knights are pretty solid up the middle. Um, but you know, I really don't think there's a, a big advantage for either team. Like if you look at the Jets depth and their line combinations against the Golden Knights, I, I really think it's a wash. Well, I mean, you know, look, the Jets as uh, how they've been playing lately and now that they've sort of solidified these lines, I would agree with that, Ezzy. They've been playing some very good hockey. This this move of Mark Shifley to the wing, which left so many people sort of furrowing their brow, Dave, and, and wondering about its success rate, has mm -hmm. proven thus far to be successful. Now, it's not a big sample size yet. It's no. still been, you know, what has it been? Has it been 10 games? I don't think it's been quite 10 games yet. Thereabouts. Thereabouts. But it's it, it has seem to have worked mark shifley you know and i was talking about this uh earlier uh i did an interview with in, in vegas yesterday and i was whoa, saying mark whoa, shifley whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. Drew doing Someone interviews just... in vegas look whoa, at you mr wow. mr vegas drew whoa, whoa, whoa. you guys done yeah 
Hey, thank you. I was saying that Mark Shifley, for a guy who had disappeared for so long, and really, you know, after the Carolina benching and then the sort of the, the back and forth and that terrible West Coast road trip, he just seemed like he was missing. Well, he looks like he's no longer missing, and he looks like he's playing again with some confidence. And if all of a sudden Mark Shifley is playing with confidence and not and not being a detriment or as significant a detriment on the defensive side of things, if those responsibilities have largely been alleviated from him with Pierre-Luc Dubois up the middle, well, that is a, a just a huge boost to the Winnipeg Jets because I think I see a Mark Shifley that's playing almost more free and, and, yep. and playing, uh, you know, with 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 less weight on his shoulders because of the removal of the of that uh defensive responsibility. Let's be honest, the 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 decision by Rick Bonus and the coaching staff to move Shifley to the wing to play with Dubois and Connor has been a, a brilliant move to date, right? Like let's just be honest, it has worked perfectly at the right time as Drew mentioned, right? Like how, however many games it's it's let's let's call it eight games or nine games or 10 games, whatever number you want to pick. It's uh you know, 2 3 weeks that that line has been together, right? At the end of the regular season. Um, and, you know, going back to what we were talking about, about, you know, the Jack Eichel line, obviously he centers the, the first line, you know, going back to Mark Stone, right? Like who, I, I don't know if we know for sure if he's going to be playing game one, but I think they've said that he could be an option, but you guys might know better than I would. Well, but let's, he's been skating with the team sure. and everything else. And let's the, say, so let's say that he plays game one, or it doesn't yeah. even matter for the purposes of this. Like, let's say he plays game two. Like, I don't, I don't necessarily know he's, he's a right winger. So I don't know if he necessarily starts on the top line, Dave. Um, but you know, that is, that does tip the scales in my opinion, a little bit in the golden Knights favor to have a guy like Mark Stone, who at the very least is going to be on your top nine, right? Like Mark Stone's not going to be a fourth line guy. He'll, I, I would imagine he probably, you know, starts on the second line or, or third line. Cause as we talked about, Jonathan Marcheseau is your first line, uh, winger, um, with, um, that Russian kid, uh, Dorofiev. I don't know a yeah. lot about him. Um, but he, I, th I think he's only played a part of the season, right? So he's been on that top line too. But so if Mark Stone, again, I'm not saying that I, I'm I still do. picking the Jets boys, but I'm just saying, you know, I'll let go throw back to you, Drew. But if Mark Stone is, is an impact in the series, it's obviously going to be, uh, you know, much tougher for the Jets to win and it'll be a longer series. But it's really tough to say how big of an impact Stone is going to have because he hasn't played in three months. Yeah, well, look, and it's going to take him some time to get back into game shape and get his legs under him, and he won't be the same forceful uh, Mark Stone that we're that you know we're used to seeing, you know, come you know during the regular season. There's no question about that. We saw how long it took Nikolai Ehlers to just get back exactly. up. And that was with his sports injury, sports hernia injury. And, you know, in my experience, you know, and as you can speak to this uh, way better than the rest of us, a bad back is not something that you can easily recover from. Yeah. Uh, again, you're not quite, well, you know, Mark Stone's. In well, no, I'm glad that you're comparing me to Mark Stone. I mean, uh, a 40 year old uh, washed up 250 pound guy who doesn't play in the NHL versus yeah. one of the best right wingers <laughs> in the NHL. So thank you for that, Drew. But yeah, no, you're right. I mean, Look at Mark Stone is an uh, is an unbelievable player. I mean, that's why you know True North slash the Jets wanted to acquire him, uh, you know, three or four years ago, right? Like he's an excellent player. You know, think about what he's done for Canada at the World Hockey Championship, right? Like this guy is is a player. He's a really good player, one of the best players from Winnipeg probably ever. <laughs> to be honest with you, um, when all said and done, you look at his junior career with Brand and everything like that, right? But uh, yeah, it's going to take him a while. I, I think if he scores a hat trick, I don't know. If, I wouldn't say I'd be shocked. But I, I would be pretty surprised if, if Mark Stone just steps right back into the lineup, Dave, and, you know, he's dangling and, and dominating because you expect there to be, you know, a, a little bit of growing pains to start off. Not growing what? pains. Just... On, and I, 
you know, just a little bit of, uh, you know, rust. Rust is a better way to explain it, not growing pains. Well, and, and as you know, Stu Smith here makes a good point. He says, be careful. Kucherov sat out a whole season and led, led Tampa in scoring in the playoffs. And I'm going to use right. a word, shenanigans, right? Like you never yeah. know with guys saying, oh, well, you know, I'm going to I'm I'm going to be back a week earlier, but you know, maybe we'll just keep this going, even though I know the cap after uh, March is no longer in effect. So I don't think that in this instance, they're really doing anything. Of course, I haven't looked at the cap situation in Vegas, so I don't know if uh, Stone would have put them over had they. Sure, there's shenanigans going on there. That's what I mean. So I, I'm sure. So, I, but wow. so my point is that at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is it, there's a possibility. There's always a possibility, but it, it is a it is a bit of a disadvantage for him early in the season, early in the games. That's why it's so important for the Jets to get going. And I, and I saw I was reading an article by. Um, Maybe it was by in Murat's article this morning about the idea of which when teams score first, how important this first goal is, both for Vegas and Winnipeg. And and it really has been critical for, for these teams this season. So we'll we'll see. Not that they don't have the ability to come back as they do, but generally speaking, when they score first, they've done uh, well. And I just think that as we've talked about, like this this series is gonna be such a fascinating matchup. And and yeah, you're gonna want the Lowry, Niederreiter, and uh, Appleton line. And boy, how how good has Mason Appleton been for that that line right now? We we mm-hmm. you know he was kind of seen as like a uh, not superfluous, but like almost like a oh he, okay he's he's there, but people didn't understand why he was there. What is Rick Bonus seeing him? Well, he, he whatever he saw, it seems to have found its mark because uh, he's been playing a lot better uh, in the last little bit, as has the entire team, obviously, and that's the reason why they've had the success they've had over the last ten games. And and yeah, you're you're going to need it because again, even though this is a to me a toss up series, um, you you still have to be firing on all cylinders the way you were in order to have success the way you want against this Vegas team. Uh, you know, let's look at it from the Jets forwards perspective. So when, you know, games three and four, of course, they get last change. So they get the opportunity to to set their matchups like they want them. So from your perspective, you know, who does Rick Bonus want to deploy, you know, let's say Connor, uh, Shifley and Dubois against from the Vegas perspective? I mean, obviously the fourth line breaking news there, <laughs> but let's assume that that's not going to segment be. Segment over. Yeah, thank you. Good segment. We're going to break right now. Let's assume that that's not realistically going to happen on a regular basis. Do you see that the Jets having any sort of any any specific advantage when it comes to a forward matchup when you look at the well, Vegas forward lines that they could be going against? Well, again, it, it you know Mark it, Stone. <laughs> well, no, but I I mean like it depends the, on Mark Stone. I haven't health. watched enough Vegas lately because as Dave mentioned, the Jets and the Golden Knights haven't played I since I think since December, right? Is what you mentioned, Dave. Yeah. So I mean, I haven't been watching enough of the Golden Knights. Like I know that um I mean, obviously, you know, Jack Eichel missed some games, but like right now, if you go to Daily Faceoff, our friends Frank Saravalli, Mike McKenna, Daily Faceoff, who who always have the most updated lines, but it's based on uh, the previous game, which I think right. it was against Seattle, a win over Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I should know that it was only a couple of nights ago, but, um, you know, right now they've got Chandler Stevenson centering the third line, but I know that Chandler Stevenson has also centered the second line at times this year. And then you've Will, William Carlson's also a guy that can play on the wing and then you throw in Mark Stone. So it's hard to know. I mean, look at right now, I, I mean, you would say that the matchup that you would want for the Dubois Shifley Connor line is against the Golden Knights third line because Carlson, Riley Smith and Michael Amadio, that's a good second line. Carlson's a good defensive forward. I mean, obviously Carlson and Riley Smith have played years together, Dave, like yeah. going back to the 2017, 18 season, um, but yeah, I mean, you obviously, you know, you want to get, you, you, you want to get the Dubois line against the weaker of those three lines, which is obviously the, the third line. Um, 
but like this series, I think is going to be very even. But yeah, I mean, obviously with with Phil Kessel there, I mean Ivan Barbashev is a good player though. I mean that was going to be an option for the Jets possibly, right? Mm-hmm. To acquire him, we were talking about Barbashev. I know Weber, for example, uh, you know thought Barbashev would be a really good fit. So I, I really think that if there is an advantage, like like again, I'm getting away from what you were asking about here, Drew. But like okay. if there's an advantage in the top nine you find it for me because I, I think you could easily give the, the advantage to the Jets, Dave, when it comes to the top nine forwards. But again, do you, does Mark Stone swing the favor, uh, you know, for Vegas? I would say, sorry, Dave, that, you know, that the golden, the, the golden Knights probably have more depth scoring on their third and fourth lines. And I know yep. that Lowry and Appleton and, and, sure. and Niederreiter have been playing well as of late, but when, you know, when you look at the third line of Barbashev and Stevenson, because Stevenson is the second leading scorer on the golden Knights. Right. That's what I'm saying. Usually, yeah. you know, he's, he's in the top six, right? right. So if you, if Chandler Stevenson is your third line center, then I mean, that's very impressive. Yeah, exactly right. So I think that you know that's an area where the Golden Knights might have an advantage in their in their in their forward lines is their is their ability to get scoring uh, from their from their bottom six and things of that nature over the Winnipeg Jets, especially because you know the Jets fourth line really doesn't contribute much offensively at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, other than that, I mean, it it is a very very tight matchup when you look at the forward groups. No, there's, there's no question about it. I mean, and it's amazing considering the disparity in terms of points between these two clubs that you're looking at that and you're thinking, well, it's a, it's not it's not the huge advantage that it could have been. And again, as he's 100% right. I mean, if you have a, if Vegas has a healthy Mark Stone, first of all, how many more points would they've had this season? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it it also goes to the idea of how much of a difference maker we think he could be when he's 100% healthy in in a series. I mean, all of us Look, there's a reason why the Jets coveted Mark Stone and Vegas coveted Mark Stone. And and we were all around watching and covering, you know, that the sweepstakes that were Mark Stone. And and I'll never forget because I can't tell you how many moose games I was at and Pierre Dorian is is strolling around. Kevin Shovel Dayoff is strolling and and Kelly McCrimmon is always right around there. Like it was, it was That was the Mark Stone courting period. No, but it was amazing. Like honestly, it would be like there's Kelly, there's Pierre. There's Kevin. There's Kelly. Like they were always, and it was always that dance. What they were saying the whole time was, "There's Dave. There's Dave. There's Dave. There's Dave." <laughs> and like, does Manuk ever leave this place? Like, no, I don't. Uh, I got a little room the, right the over Dave there. Dave Manuk but, triangle. Yeah, exactly. I do actually. I do I have a separate YouTube channel where I do like squatting videos inside Bell uh, Canada Life Center. So uh, it's it's, it's quite fascinating. I actually think that would be a pretty good idea. I think we could you know we could monetize that, Dave. I think we should talk oh. after the show. The squatter okay. does squats. It's yeah, like well, I, Drew, up. it's not like literal squats. Oh, I, I mean, thought you were doing on. exercises while no. squatting. I squatting, you know, haven't you watched? There's guys who do YouTube things where they're like, "Hey, I'm going to stay under a bridge, or I'm going to stay under here." You need to get out more, Drew. You don't I know mean, squat, Drew. Apparently, I need to spend more time on YouTube. Uh, you know, well, obviously, all I do but what you broadcast. I don't necessarily watch, but I guess oh, it's God, all I do is watch. You do the best. You, you, know, you actually are the inspiration for Dude Perfect. That's what I. That's what I understood. It is true. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Uh, I was the original. Anyway, I was the original. I was the original dude. Was, there you go. It's a good. Uh, true. You haven't watched Blippy on YouTube. Like Ruben's all about that. He wants I, Blippy on all the time. I haven't yet, thankfully, and I hope never to at this point in time. Maybe when I have grandkids, if Blippy's still around, because my kids have aged out of Blippy. Uh, let's look at the defense. We haven't really talked a lot about the defense. Let's do that, Grandpa. <laughs> to me, <laughs> this is uh, this is an area that the Golden Knights have the advantage 
is is on the yeah. back end. I would say the right side, the right side. Like, just let yeah. me go right now. Go Shea Theodore, Alex Petrangelo, Nick Hague. Obviously, I was joking, Drew, but yeah, I mean, the the right oh, me side. Being a grandfather, thank you. Yeah, no, and and I mean, you know, Alec Martinez, who you know, even though he's a little bit older, mm-hmm. you know, he's on the top pair with Alex Petrangelo and Braden McNabb. Like your top four of Martinez, Petrangelo, Theodore, and McNabb is one of the better top fours, and that's you know how quiet of a fifty-four point season for Petrangelo, right? In a year in which. Carlson had, uh, I don't know if he finished with 100 or 101, whatever he finished with. And then Morrissey, obviously, with his big offensive uh, season, right? 54 points, Dave, used to be a, an amazing year for a defenseman. Now it's kind of right. like, you know, middle of the pack. Um, what have you done for me lately? Exactly. So, I mean, Petrangelo, uh, McNabb, Shea Theodore, Alec Martinez, it's a its a big group. It's a mobile group. Uh, mentioned Nick Haig. We should mention Zach Whitecloud from Sioux Valley, Dakota Nation here in Manitoba. Um, you know, they, they, it's a good group of defensemen and they definitely have the edge. I, I wouldn't say it's, it, it's, you know, like head and shoulders or leaps and bounds. Um, but this Golden Knights back end, Dave, they can produce offensively. So it's definitely something to watch in the series. And the Jets are always going to have to be, that's the thing. They like to activate their D. I know it's a cliche, but they do. Well, and you know, it has the one guy who I'm watching right now, cause it's the, the ones that you would not expect because you expect Josh Morrissey to be Josh Morrissey, expect Dylan DeMello to be that steady horse that he has been. Neil Pionk, Neil Pionk has really become He's rejuvenated again. And, and Weber, I believe it was Weber asked Rick bonus about it a couple of days ago or last week about, or maybe it was, I don't remember. It maybe it might not have been, Weber, might've been Hamilton. Now that I think about it or Scott, actually, sorry, it was Scott Billick. I'll go through every member of the media, but it was actually Scott. Sorry. It was Scott. And because I was there, I should know, but it was Scott who asked and, and because he's, he really is playing different. And remember guys, it was Neil Pionk when the Jets beat Connor McDavid and the Oilers. Mm-hmm. Neil Pionk was a critical piece for the Winnipeg Jets defense. He was really a linchpin for that defensive group and, and limiting what Connor McDavid did and allowing the Jets to sweep the Oilers. And let me tell you, every Jets fan, every time you just get a chance to say the Jets swept the Oilers, it just <laughs> brings joy if you grew Healers. up in the 1980s. So, anyway, that was my point- best Hunter Ryan sing impression. There you go. That was, wow. was uh, Harner Ryan. I, actually, is, uh, I thought you were having a stroke, I've, so I was a little concerned. Harner Ryan has nothing to worry about. No, he doesn't. I was caught had nine one already dialed because like, oh god, something's happening to Ginsburg. But anyways, or Ginsboil, whatever they were calling you these days. Ginsbun. But Ginsbun. I'll never forget Ehlers scoring that goal, and the only person in the crowd being Bud Light Seltzy. <laughs> oh, that, well, yeah, that. I'll never forget that. that. And then Seltzy gets up and he's cheering. Like everything like about this. that, everything about the uh, the bubble playoffs was just so bizarre. That wasn't the bubble playoffs though. That was that was the. Uh, that was well, the he, he means the COVID. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah. The sure. bubble playoffs were even were were we were as equally as weird. But yes, sure, you're right. It wasn't, but it was no fans. Is what no I meant. fans. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the point is that I to me Neil Pionk playing the way he is, Brendan Dillon playing the way he is. I mean, Dillon, obviously a critical piece for keeping the front of the net, keeping those guys honest. But Neil Pionk, I think if he's back to playing the level that Jets fans expected from Neil Pionk, because for a long time this season, that wasn't it. And look, there's always there's always situations. I mean, it's interesting because Rick Bonus is fairly honest. So he said both that there was an injury situation that he was obviously dealing with at some point this season, and also that he wasn't playing well. And Rick said, you know, we I talked to Neil and he knows he's receptive. And it seems like whether it's the injury or whether it's the, you know, understanding of what he needed to do to get better. To me, if Neil Pion can get back up to the level the Jets fans have come to, you know, expect of him, that evens things out a little bit more from a defensive core that, yep. yeah, as he's right, would you give the edge to the Las Vegas Golden Knights? 
It'll be a fascinating series. We talk more about it after these commercials with our good friend Murad Atesh from The Athletic. Don't go anywhere. The comprehensive series preview of the Jets and Golden Knights continues on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, live on YouTube and all of our social media platforms. Keeping Winnipeg laughing for over 30 years. Rumors, Canada's longest-running comedy club, bringing you the biggest laughs from the best comedians on the planet. Jerry Seinfeld, Chris Rock, Jon Stewart, Dennis Miller, Brad Garrett, the greats, and all the up-and-comers, too. When was the last time you laughed out loud? Make it a great night out with friends or book your office or birthday party. Even a fundraising event at Rumors. Get all the details and dates on upcoming shows at RumorsComedyClub.com. Hi, Ez. A strange question for you. But why are you lying on the ground being crushed by a piano? Well, Drew, I definitely tried to carry this baby grand piano down the stairs by myself, and somehow I failed miserably. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. That was a silly question on my part. My apologies. Would you like me to call Rolly's Transfer Moving and Storage to help you move the piano? They are the most experienced piano moving company in Winnipeg, after all. Yes, please call Rollies and hurry. This piano is very, very heavy. Rollies Transfer Moving and Storage offers stress-free residential moving services while taking great care of your personal belongings, including your piano. At Rollies, no job is too big or too small. For more information, visit Rollies.com. Hi, it's Drew from Illegal Curve here. Selling your home can be stressful, but it wasn't for me. Thanks to my friends at Zapia Group Realty, they made the process so easy. My home sold within 48 hours and with multiple offers. Zapia Group Realty took care of everything with their exquisite customer service and attention to detail. If you want to sell your home for more in less time, get started by talking to Frank and Mauro Zapia of Zapia Group Realty. Online at zapiagroup.com. Hey, Drew. Ezzy, whoa, what a smile. Yeah, I got my crowns done at Linden Market Dental Center, and they whitened my teeth. I see. They're so bright that every time I smile, they go, We have hockey tonight. Do you have a mouth guard to protect those pearly whites? I sure do. Whoa, they even ting through the mouth guard. Linden Market Dental Center covers all your dental needs, from restorative to cosmetic dentistry, and will fit you with a sports guard for that active lifestyle. 877 Waverly. See LindenMarketDental.com. Boston Pizza harnessed Fanalytics to help optimize no-look dipping. Ooh, making adjustments so you can stay focused on the game. The playoffs at Boston Pizza, powered by Fanalytics. Hour number two of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show starts now. Saturday morning, Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg with you. Going to be joined by Murat Atesh of The Athletic coming up momentarily as he'll look into Murat's uh, whereabouts since we... No, I'm not. Murat's going to be on. I don't don't have to look into any whereabouts. I'm just... Curious to know if you've been stubbing him around Crescentwood these days. I haven't seen him. At least I don't think I've seen him. I mean, I never intended to snub him in the first place, but I'm completely oblivious. That's the problem, Drew. That you're you're you 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 walk around like you own the neighborhood, so you don't even see anybody because you're just looking over everybody. That's the, the problem. The truth is, I'm just lost in my own mind. I'm usually walking my dog or something, and I'm just sort of I'm know, just bogging you. I mean, that was I mean, on my way around the neighborhood. It was just a joke, Drew. Oh, I, I know, mean, I know you don't snub people. I snub people. I snub you, but that's I mean, I think I'm justified. Yeah, You've been snubbing me for 14 years, though, so I'm used to it. 
No, I think that's a justifiable decision on my part. I would never actually go out of my way to snub as somebody as nice and as generous with their time as Murat. So I do feel, of course, eternally guilty about that. And he was right for calling me out in, in that yes. instance. Uh, but uh, in any event, no, I have not seen him as of late as far as I know. And I hope that I'm not wrong when I say that. Uh, the Jets and the Golden Knights Tuesday night. I know people are asking about a watch party or not a watch party, a live broadcast part of me, a live broadcast of the Illegal Curve post game show. Uh, we are working on it. We're working on it. It's in motion. We're trying to figure the details out. So as soon as we know anything, we will let you good folks know. I promise. Stay, keep it locked onto our social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. The website will have all the latest as well. So stay tuned. It's uh, something that we're working on to try and make the live broadcast of the Illegal oh, Breaking news. Breaking show. news. Marat just emailed me, pardon me, texted me. Uh, I forgot to send him the link. So I'm usually the guy that sends the guest, uh, the guest, the links. Yeah. I did send Eric to Hatchick the link. So Eric's got it, but I just sent it to Murat. So obviously he can't join the show if yet, unless he has the link. Yeah. So I'm sorry, boys. He'll, he'll be joining momentarily. Well, let Ezzy work on that. So it's a good thing I suggested to Ezzy uh, that uh, it's a good thing I suggested to Ezzy that he look into Murat's whereabouts. Uh, but uh, Ezzy's the one who's snubbing him right now, not me for the record. Uh, you know, this is going to be a fascinating series. I really think that, you know, the, the storylines, even off the ice, the ties, the, the Winnipeg-based ties uh, between these organizations are going to add an extra element. Uh, you know, these are two first-year head coaches in their respective cities. So, you know, Bruce Cassidy, of course, uh, has you know never. And remember his, remember what he said about the Jets last year. Yes, exactly. When he was a coach of the Boston Bruins, uh, he said that you know basically the Jets are an easy team to play against in terms of getting to the center of the ice, which is something bulletin that, board material right there, Drew. It, it really was last year. It was not a false statement by any stretch. Did, did the Jets win a lot of good last year? Well, I mean, the Jets last year were, were a disaster, of course, and a lot of what Rick Bonus has been preaching from the start of this year is make it more difficult uh, to get to the center of the ice. And now that Ezzy has successfully sent him the link and fingers crossed the audio works the athletic joining us this morning on the illegal curve hockey show two thumbs up now murat the inquiring minds want to know because i think i haven't snubbed you as of late but am i wrong have you walked past me and i've ignored you and i haven't been aware of it you know what i can say i am aware of zero snubs drew mindell neither from you nor your dog I have been said hello to by every member of the legal curve who I have clocked in my in my vicinity in recent days, and and this just makes me so excited to be here. There you go. Thank you. Our hellos per sixty are fantastic right now. Yes, our, our hellos. Our, our links per sixty, not so much. Yeah, no, that, that that's where we're struggling. You're you're falling behind in your in your links per sixty. There, uh, Murat. Good morning. Uh, obviously, brought you on to talk about what's going to be a fascinating playoff series between the Winnipeg Jets and the Vegas Golden Knights. And we talked about it through the first hour of the show. You referenced it in your great article previewing the series on theAthletic.com that you look strictly at the the placement in the standings, and it seems one sided. But you go one layer or deeper and it's not nearly as one-sided as it may appear between these two teams 100 yeah winnipeg the jets are the underdogs i'm not going to try to say that they're heavy favorites or anything to that um that effect at all mm -hmm. but you look at regulation wins which will have a little bit more meaning you know they're within two that's close yeah. when you look at the five on five metrics in terms of expected goals and shot mm -hmm. attempts and all of that sort of stuff Winnipeg did a lot better than you might expect or if you haven't checked and they're kind of in the range with Vegas. 
I know Vegas had plenty of injuries throughout the season, and that may hamper things as well. But so did Winnipeg. We remember the first half of the season in, in Jets land. And I think everybody's going to be talking about this. The ultimate X factor in any goal or in any playoff series. Uh-oh, there's a spoiler. Is goaltending. <laughs> and Connor Hellebuck should be an advantage against anybody Vegas can dress. I know it's LB, I think, is the presumed starter for game one. Mm -hmm. And despite his, I think it's a 927 this year, some phenomenal numbers in a small sample for Vegas. You have to believe in the guy that taught him, the guy that brought him up. The you know, And it's mm -hmm. not that Connor Hellebuck deserves credit for Laurent Brissois' success. Brissois deserves that. But Connor Hellebuck's an advantage in any series. And that's before you get into the systems, the X's and O's, Bruce Cassidy changing some things up in Vegas. They're not your you know, younger selves, Golden Knights from the 2018 playoffs. There's some differences. And I think Winnipeg matches up pretty well against them. I would agree with that. And, and Murano, obviously, you know, we have to talk about Mark Stone. And I, and I mentioned, like, and you would know better because, you know, obviously you cover, you know, you've been covering this more in depth. And I'm not sure if it's a guarantee Mark Stone is even going to play in game one, but he's certainly going to be an option in game one. But what type of impact do you think he'll he'll have in the series especially early on in the series, because we expect it to be a longer series, right? I, I, I'd be curious to know who you're picking. I'll give you a little bit of a, a chance to, to, to think about that. No, I'm sure that you've already, you know, probably made up your mind. Maybe you haven't. But what type of impact do you think Mark Stone can have early on in the series, considering he hasn't played since January? Well, yeah, Vegas is kind of in that boat for, uh, for a lot of guys, right? Like Shea Theodore recently back, Jack Eichel recently back. But Mark Stone, long absence, painful situation, and last I heard, he's skating in a non-contact jersey with Vegas. And so is he a guarantee for game one? I honestly don't know. I, I, I don't think so. And so I, I can really only speak to Mark Stone, the healthy player, because he's darn near perfect. As, as, as a winger at five yeah. on five. Is a darn <laughs> an an analytics darling, right? Absolutely. Um, and that's kind of what caught my eye several years ago. So who is this guy that shows up in the numbers? But then you you... You know, and I did this back when he was available at trade deadlines and Winnipeg could be interested in all that sort of stuff. You do the video deep dive on the way Mark Stone plays hockey. He's a perfect four checker, takes perfect lines. His stick is amazing in terms of knocking pucks down in the neutral zone. He supports his teammates. He covers defense back, down low. Um, if he's F1 back in his own zone, he's as good as any center in my mind. I mean, he can just do so much that doesn't always show up on the highlight reels, but that helps the team play in the right end of the ice. Oh, and he puts up points in a lot of situations. <laughs> so um, he's he's a phenomenal player, and I I know he's had a tough go of it with injuries and everything like that of late. So what version of Mark Stone would Vegas get if they got him back? That's, I think, the biggest question mark. But if he's healthy enough to go, whatever playoff magic energy that these guys get, I mean, that's a dangerous weapon for Vegas, not necessarily in terms of him coming over and taking over the series, but every shift that he's on the ice for is that much harder because he plays such a close to perfect version of hockey on the ice. You know, Murat, when we talked about the Jets, probably in our pre in our preseason show, we talked about the center depth, you know, Dubois, Shifley, Lowry, insert generic fourth name line there. <laughs> but of course, Mark Shifley now is a winger. And he has been for the last seven games. And it's been about two weeks. It was the end of March in that game against the Red Wings when he moved over to the wing. Not a massive sample size. But from your uh, assessment over the last couple of weeks, how have you liked that? And do you see that sticking for the playoffs? Yeah, I think Rick Bonus has found lines that work. 
And for a guy that was guilty of maybe over tinkering from time to time earlier on in Winnipeg's season, he's run with them and he's kept them together and he's leaned on them to great success. I really like the lines as Winnipeg has, has aligned at present. I think that with Shifley playing sort of a winger's role and he'll take strong side face off. So when he's on the right side, he takes draws and stuff like that. And Rick Bonus is quick to remind us. But realistically, in Winnipeg's own zone, more often than not, it's Pierre-Luc Dubois playing down low, supporting the defenseman. And that is an advantage. Dubois is better at winning some of those down low battles. He's also a little bit more patient in terms of giving that down low puck support before turning up the ice than Shifley is. And so what that gives you on that line is a little more stability in winning that puck in Winnipeg's own zone. And then you've noticed, like, Winnipeg has the green light to send its wingers flying into the neutral zone. That works if you have control, which Dubois helps with. And it's all the more dangerous when you have Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley chasing those stretches down and then trying to turn that into transition offense. I think that that's worked tremendously well. Connor and Shifley have great offensive chemistry and they've connected. Um, so I really like that line. And I think they're up to 8-3 in goals at 5-on-5 five five since uh, since being put together. That's phenomenal. They're they're doing it on positive shot metrics as well. Not quite 8-3 good, but still solid underlying numbers for them. You go down the lineup and it's more of the same. That Ehlers-Nemesnikov duo has chemistry. That Nemesnikov-Wheeler duo has chemistry. And you've got some nice passes from Ehlers to Wheeler for goals as well. They're also controlling the flow of play in terms of the underlying numbers and the scoreboard. And I guess I'll just, without turning this into a monologue about every single line, you cannot talk about Winnipeg's lineup right now without Adam Lowry's performance on that third line, whether it's standing up for his teammates, whether it's adding some timely offense, whether it's Nino Niederreiter and Mason Appleton doing the same. They found something there with that trio that obviously they wouldn't have had access to before the trade deadline, but they didn't have access to until... Rick Bonus made that lineup switch heading into that Detroit game. And that's another line. They're in this high 60s in terms of percentage of the shots that they get, expected goals that they get. And they're also dominating in terms of the flow of play of goals, real honest goals. And when Adam Lowry is scoring and checking and protecting the middle of the ice and getting to the middle of the ice, you know, that that conversation about center death gets real. He had that month where he disappeared offensively. And you're like, oh, okay, is he a fourth-line center now? I don't know if you guys went through that sort of thoughts in your own mind. But he is back. He's been back for a while. And that line takes things over. And that is genuine depth that I think Winnipeg can count on. Murata Tesh is our guest Saturday morning. You're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Murata, of course, is with The Athletic covering the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, Murata, by the way, I don't have thoughts in my own mind. I just try to get into Drew's mind and try to just create chaos in there. That's very well done. Good job there. Yes, uh, good thing. Know, the, the, the last of us, Ginsburg is the mushroom in my brain, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> uh, Murat, you know, you look at the defensive matchup uh, between these two teams. To me, that's where the Golden Knights would seem to have the advantage, particularly on the right-hand side. You know, that said, Neil Pionk, you know, who was certainly the target of a lot of uh, consternation uh, throughout the course of the year for Jets fans. It seemed as though he's playing better hockey as of late. How do you look at the defensive matchups in this series and, and sort of see it playing out and, and and where the advantage lies for each respective team? Yeah, I mean, on paper, Vegas is more dynamic on defense. There's, I don't think there's any way around that. Um, and I know Theodore has recently returned to health, but at Alex Pietrangelo, their whole top four mm-hmm. is dominant in terms of their underlying numbers, the the goal numbers, everything like that. 
The interesting thing that you find is that Winnipeg's defense core outscored Vegas's on the year. More goals, more points. Um, part of that is Josh Morrissey having a better offensive season than absolutely anybody. <laughs> and part of that is Winnipeg setting a target for more offense from its defense and actually getting it in terms of that weak side defenseman activating, um, following their breakouts up the ice, being a fourth attacker, and then attacking in the offensive zone as well. Um, so there are reasons to like Winnipeg's defense, and I think that everybody trusts Josh Morrissey so much at this stage of the game, that top pair, that the conversation does become about Brendan Dillon and Neil Pionk. Neil Pionk struggled early on in the season defensively for sure. If you look at his, um, his metrics on the season, they're not impressive. Absolutely they're not. Even if you look at the Pionk and Dillon pairing, they've been scored on more often than Winnipeg has scored when Winnipeg's on the ice. That's not true for Vegas's top four, but Winnipeg's really important second pairing has been outscored this year. So that's an area of concern. And the big question is Pionk. And a couple of weeks ago, I think it would be very easy to say that, okay, he's not moving very well. He's not handling the puck very well. What's gone on in his gear? And then he seemed to turn that around. And I've asked questions about his mobility. Is there an injury? Everything like that. Well, I think he's been moving a little bit better of late. And maybe along with that comes some confidence. And maybe that, you know, turns into some of the offensive plays that he's made of late as well. So I think that, you know, if there were some alarm bells on that pairing, there should have been. Now I think it's a gentle question mark. Can they handle the rigors of Vegas's offense? And they've shown recently, um, and give credit to Brendan Dillon for this as well. He's elevated his game down the stretch too, that they can handle, you know, they can handle the challenge to get Winnipeg in. Now this is going to be another level altogether. You know, Murad, just kind of, kind of continuing on this idea of, you know, th that there isn't that much of a, an advantage, whether you look at forwards or defense. I mean, the big advantage we all agree is Connor Hellebuck over, or Lauren Brassois. I mean, or Connor Hellebuck over, you know, Aiden Hill, or obviously Aiden Hill's not going to be playing, but I should have mentioned Logan Thompson, Thompson was the guy that I was thinking of, or Jonathan Quick. Any any goalie that gold, the Golden Knights are going to use is not playing at the same level as, as Connor Hellebuck. So isn't that even more reason to almost not, not just call this series a toss up, because obviously that might be, you know, oversimplifying it, but couldn't you even say like, you know, whichever top six or whichever top line is, is performing at a higher clip, that's going to be the team that, that eventually wins this series. Right. So if that's, you know, the Connor Shifley Dubois line, or if that's the Eichel, um, Marcia, so Dorofiev line or whoever, you know, else is on that line again, um, you, you might know who, who would be on that top line more than I would. I, obviously, Eichel's the number one center, um, and William Carlson is on, on that second line with, with Riley Smith. Um, but isn't that kind of a way you could look at this series as well, just because there aren't that many advantages? Like you said, the Jets actually scored more goals uh, from their back end than the Golden Knights, and you would probably think that, you know, Theodore, Petrangelo, uh, you know, all those guys, they would have more. But it just seems so even to me that it's really going to come down to really which top line is performing better. I mean... I have time for that. I think Vegas is Vegas was able to go through some real difficulties in terms of their stars being out and have other guys emerge. So Chandler Stevenson became a really dangerous player for the Golden Knights. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Jack Eichel's return gives them the possibility of a truly dominant number one center, depending on what level he can get to as well. And then we know that Carlson Smith and Marcia Soline has given Winnipeg fits for ages. And if you think of the Golden Knights of yore, 2018, that, that is a reason Connor Hellebuck, I, I believe deep down inside Connor Hellebuck, there is an element, not of vengeance in an angry way, but of, well, 
you know, everybody talked about Mark Andre Fleury outplayed me in, in 2018. There's no doubt in my mind that Hellebuck has a has a driven chip on his shoulder for for this particular series. Um, but anyway, going back to that Smith Carlson and Marcia Soul line, if they use them, we know for several years that the amount of back pressure that they can put on some very good Winnipeg Jets players is tremendous, absolutely tremendous. And they're able to turn the flow of play against Jets players that, in my opinion, should be better than them at times. Now, there's another thing that Vegas does that makes me think that there's, you know, is it be sort of a systemic question. And Vegas switched to a, to a zone defense this year. They're content to keep um, a whole bunch of guys in the middle of the ice, keep Winnipeg to the outside. And they're content to give up zone time as long as teams stay on the outside. Well, once upon a time, 2018, if we're going back that far for this storyline, um, there was a sort of narrative in Vegas that you can tire these guys out, that at some point that Shifley-Wheeler-Connor line is going to take a shift that's too long and you're going to be able to counterattack on them and things like that. So there's going to be a lot of game within the game that, you know, Shifley, Dubois, and Connor, if they play the best version of their game, they can be the best first line in this series. But there are holes that we see with long shifts, with chasing an extra offensive opportunity, with whatever else that is as well. So, you know, maybe that's just a long way of talking around the exact same thing that you said. But I think that there are reasons you could believe in either set of forwards heading into this series. Now, Murat, we got to ask you about the power play because the Jets' power play at one point, I feel like it was flirting with top 10 in the NHL, and now it is way down to the 23rd spot. <laughs> and uh, But it looks – the movement looked better the last few games. Is there anything that you've seen that would suggest that this power play is trending in the right direction ahead of the, ahead of the playoffs? Well, yeah, I, and I think that it's about movement. And I think it's about movement with enough purpose that the defense moves. If you just pass the puck around the perimeter, the defense doesn't have to move. The seams don't open up. Nothing nothing gets done. And I think that Winnipeg had gotten very, very slow for a little while there. Now, I, I don't know if that coincides with Brad Lauer's back situation, stepping away from the on-ice portion of his coaching or what have you, or if that's just something that Winnipeg went through all on its own and maybe a bit of both. In the last couple of weeks, you've seen speed with purpose. And I think for me, a lot of that comes down to Nikolai Ehlers' impact, attacking off that left point. When he attacks downhill, the you see defenses freeze a little bit because he is a genuine shooting threat. So if he attacks downhill and sets up as if to move the puck, you see shot blockers go as if to block shots. And now you're seeing Ehlers pass around those defenders, whether it's to Shifley down low and then you get the slingshot pass into the, into the middle, or he's been able to find Kyle Connor kind of across the seam a few times as well. And for me, those plays are always there but they're only actually open if you attack with speed. And I think that Ehlers is, is a big part of that. You've also seen, you know, Mark Shifley take a couple of new roles and his passing from behind the goal line at five on five is one of the best in the NHL. So why not bring it to the power play too? And he's done that. And so you're seeing Winnipeg with speed and the speed creates options and they've made some really good choices about where to move that puck to exploit those options. They're getting shooting and finishing as well. So it was a nice come back to life for the, for that group to be sure. 
and Murata Tesh, our guest on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show Saturday morning. We remind you Tuesday night, the Illegal Curve post-game show immediately after game one of the Jets' Golden Knight series. Murat, in your article on The Athletic, uh, and I re- recommend and reiterate to everyone that you should go read it because it's a great breakdown of the series, you talk about the Golden Knights and their 1-2-2 scheme. You know, from the Golden Knights' perspective... Now we're getting into the good stuff. Murat, when Drew starts talking your about your one two two uh, uh writing in your article you know that we're getting into the nitty-gritty here here well, we go I, and despite as he interrupting my 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 train of thought there you know are, are you expecting you know vegas to be as aggressive with their one two two and maybe try and you know get, catch the jets cheating to create offense or do you think that bruce cassidy might explore more of a passive one two two to try and limit the jets speed through the neutral zone I think you're going to see both. And I think that that's the flexibility of that system that they use, where if they're aggressive with their one, two, two, they're going to be looking to, well, the one is always going to be pressuring the, the, the puck carrier, but if they're going to be aggressive, they're going to think that, Hey, we can beat their short outlet passes or anything going on down low, or maybe there's enough chaos in the zone that justifies that Winnipeg maybe doesn't have perfect control in a moment. So now you've got those two guys that can push up with, with a tremendous amount of aggression and try to create those turnovers very high up the ice and and go for offense. But it's not, you know, it's not that complex a read for those two guys to say, Hey, Winnipeg has perfect control of it. They like to fly their wingers into the, into the neutral zone. Let's not commit up ice because we're getting beat in their space there as well, where they can make the adaptation to, to back up, and now you've got essentially four guys, you know, between the blue line and red line or what have you. And that becomes a major change and a major challenge for Winnipeg to, OK, now can we beat that with speed? Do we have to chip and chase a little bit more? All that sort of stuff. So I think it will be on Vegas to sort of determine how well things are working, make reads on what they're getting and where the spaces are. If Winnipeg's being moving the puck fast enough to ex- exploit that aggression. So I think there's a little bit of give and take in, in that. And, you know, Bruce Cassidy is a heck of a coach and Vegas, you know, there's a there's a lot of experienced forwards on that team. You sort of believe that they'll be able to tweak that up and down depending on what they need. And the question is, can Winnipeg show the puck movement that it has for the last couple of weeks with its new lines to overcome that and against some tough competition, too? Because I think Winnipeg, you know, Nashville, Calgary, San Jose, Detroit, um, you know, a lot of the teams they played down the stretch. I'm I'm omitting New Jersey and Colorado deliberately because they're phenomenal. You're just but, doing that because I'm a Devils fan, Barack. Come on. I didn't know that. Well, hey. I am a Devils fan. Yeah. Huh. He'll tell Can you about it. Shout, shout out, shout out to Kenny Danico. Ah, uh, yeah. One gem. Gem. I spoke to him at one point. Anyway, also. so um, so I, I think that Winnipeg had some of its biggest success against opponents that won't be as good as Vegas is. And there's going to be a lot of cat and mouse in terms of getting that puck up the ice that I'm looking forward to see. And Rod, we're going to ask you for your prediction if you're going to, you know, be so generous and and play along with us because obviously, you know, predictions are uh, pretty hard this time of year. But you know, I wanted to ask you who you think could be a player for each team, both the Jets and the Golden Knights, who you think is flying under the radar that could potentially have a bigger impact in the series than you you might think. We talked a lot about Adam Lowry, how well he's been playing. Like a guy that immediately comes to mind for me, and I don't want to answer this for you. But like Mason Appleton, right, scored the big goal against Minnesota, had a couple points in that uh, win over the Sharks, right? So he's a guy that, you know, could be, you know, maybe play a bigger role than some people might think. But for you, like, who, who's a guy? And it doesn't necessarily have to be offensively, but who are uh, maybe a player from each team? I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here that you think 
you know, aside from the big names like Shifley, Connor, Dubois, Eichel, Marcia, so, you know, Petrangelo, who were who a couple players that immediately pop into your mind? I mean, I love the aside from the big names thing because part of my answer is going to be, I don't think that Winnipeg knows how good Jack Eichel is. Like, I, I, I've i seen some initial commentary that doesn't seem to rate him as one of the elite centers, and I think that's a mistake. But we'll leave that. We'll go deeper. And maybe I'll go back to Chandler Stevenson for the Vegas Golden Knights, who, you know, as the season wore on and injuries impacted other players, I mean, he took a bigger role on the power play. He took, a you know, some offensive situations or he had success in offensive situations as well. Um, and maybe he gets a little bit less attention than some of Vegas's more famous names. Um, in Winnipeg, I think you almost have to avoid the top six if you're going to look for uh, for a potential impact player. I mean, Lowry for sure. I, I'm going to say maybe Nito Niederreiter in that regard, because if anybody can get to the middle of the ice against a dedicated zone that basically sits three guys in front of the net, Nino Niederreiter can do it. And he's such a fun player because he goes there, he instigates, he agitates. I don't know if Nino Niederreiter has an NHL fight to his resume, but like, and I think that that makes people mad. I think that that makes <laughs> defenders angry. Um, and you can see the the ire that he draws from, from people at times. And I think that in a series where getting to the middle is going to be tough, I look to a guy like that who has a success and track record and a little bit of, I don't know, piss and vinegar or what have you just to, to get that done and do it in the most annoying way possible. So I'll go with Nino on that one. You know, Murat, there's a lot of questions. We don't know the status <laughs> of Nikolai Ehlers. That's, that, well, that's at 12 o'clock. Hopefully we'll get some sort of insight when the Jets hit the ice for practice. But of course we may just end up with a couple of wool seeds from Rick bonus, which will of course not tell us anything until they actually hit the ice for a game. But from your perspective, I mean, obviously that leaves a big potential hole once we see what happens with Nikolai Ehlers. Cole Perfetti, I mean, we know that he's getting closer and everybody's, you're seeing him on the ice, still in a non-contact uniform. Do you think that there's a chance that he has an impact on this series or is that completely dependent on obviously the situation if he's not ready for game till game three, game four? And, you know, obviously, like I said, depending on where the Jets are in that series. I think there's a chance he has an impact. And I mean... I guess there's a chance that anything happens in the playoff series, to be real. But um, chance I say hi to you. <laughs> there's a chance. <laughs> I mean, some things have better odds than others, you know. Um, the the thing for me is that I I believe he's tracking well to to you know to make his recovery timeline and to um, you know we've seen some positive signs with him on the ice. So I think that we'll get to a point where Cole Perfetti is an option, and then the question will be how comfortable is Rick Bonus with that option. And we already saw before Perfetti's injury that in must-win situations, protecting leads, certain times of game, he'd shave Perfetti's minutes a little bit, especially on defensive zone draws and things like that. So as much as he was getting some offensive pop from him, there was a sense of, okay, we don't quite trust the rookie all of the way in these defensive situations yet. Some of that may be size, but whatever the reason was, you didn't see it. So... I wonder if Rick Bonus, especially after speaking so cautiously about Perfetti's timeline, hesitates to put him straight back into the lineup. You know, let's say that Ehlers is healthy, which I expect that he will be and will, will play a major role in the series. Well, then there's no obvious top six hole. And are you going to change up Nino Niederreiter, Adam Lowry, and Mason Appleton after what they've done for you of late? I'm not sure that you will. Then you go into the niche players, Kevin Stenland, you know, Bonus. Trust him so much in faceoff situations. Another option on the right-hand side, Sakumainalainen, a huge part of the penalty kill. And he talks about 
um, his size and effectiveness in that regard as well. Morgan Barron's created a lot with a little and, you know, maybe isn't as much of a specialist, but he PKs as well. So, you know, if you're Rick Bonus and you like what you've done to get down to the stretch and you have any worry at all, and I already think he was cautious about using Perfetti earlier on in the season when Perfetti was having success, I think this big break might give him some pause in terms of how quickly he reinserts him into the lineup. I think it'll be more of a, uh uh-oh, we need some punch, something has happened, and now it's more of a hunch or a gamble than an automatic he gets right back in. Yeah, you know, I was thinking the same thing because you look at the roster as currently constructed and assuming everyone's healthy, there's no obvious spot for Perfetti to fit back in because you'd be hesitant to break up uh, the top six and, and the effectiveness that they've had as of late. And he doesn't really fit the role of a of a checking player uh, or a shutdown defender on the Jets' third line. So that'll certainly be sort of a, a storyline to keep an eye on as the series unfolds and as uh, Cole Perfetti returns to playing condition if that happens in this first round. Uh, Murat, we promised that we would put you on the spot more than we've already done so, of course. Uh, So if you'd be so kind, if you're willing to do so, you're welcome to sit on the fence as well. Do you have a prediction that you want to, you know, maybe uh, let our audience in on as to how you see this series playing out? Well, with a month to go, I thought Winnipeg was going to get rolled over by whoever that it faced as the top seed. And Vegas was no exception to that. Absolutely no exception. They were rolling. They'd gone through some injuries and they were having success. Vegas didn't dominate down the stretch. And I know injuries, injuries, I, like we can talk about that. But there was some faltering there. And I've, you know, I've, I've talked to some folks who watch them very closely who mm-hmm. have wondered if they can maintain the, the level that they've hit at different stretches of the season. You look at some of those five-on-five numbers. You look mm-hmm. at special teams where the only – of the two power plays and two penalty kills involved in this series, only elite comes from, from the penalty kill on Winnipeg side, the only elite aspect. And I think that, okay, so that's close to a wash. Five on five where probably most of the series is going to happen. Metrics-wise is pretty close as well. You got Connor Hellebuck in net. You have Winnipeg's relatively new success with that top nine. And for me, this is something that I've done before. You know what I'm doing here? I'm hedging at length. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> That's wonderful. You're a great Hedge. politician. At, walk, uh, talk around. Hedge away, Marat. We're going to be like, okay, Marat, the show is now over, so no prediction. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to get the Run cane. The clock right? out. Um, how many agains do I have to say? Can I Chevy speak my way through this? Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, we are having a conversation right now. so I guess that's – well, hey, you know what? I have, I'll say this, I have more belief in Winnipeg than I have had in, in a long time. And I think that the maddening thing about the Winnipeg Jets for me has been the belief that I hold that they're better than that second half and capable of playing better than that. And you see that in their star players. You see nights where, oh my goodness, the, the back check, the fight, the block shot, the everything is there. They're willing to pay, play through any amount of adversity and take the game over. And you see games where it doesn't feel that way. And so for me, there's always this question of who are the Jets? What level can they get to? When push comes to shove, will they be there? And I think by and large, they've answered the question, you know, getting into the playoffs at all in this last stretch, that when push came to shove, you saw tremendous performances from their top six, from their role players, from from everybody up and down the lineup. And so this idea of they tease you with a, a higher level than what we saw in the second half. Well, hey, we saw a little bit more of that higher level. And 
it gives me more optimism about the Jets. I went to bed the other night convinced I was going to be covering two rounds of the playoffs. So, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. Winnipeg's an underdog, but they have every chance to win, and that's all I'll say. Murata Tash will have in-depth I like that. Coverage. We don't need a specific number. I mean, you can – it's almost like that last Sopranos episode, right? Like you're leaving it open to interpretation. <laughs> but I think, really, you're you're picking the Jets, if I'm not mistaken. I just – I think they can. And that's that's enough belief for me, you know? The game against Minnesota, Murad, I will say that game alone, even though uh, I wasn't watching the full game and doing the post-game show, I seem to miss always miss the big games, including <laughs> that 7-5 win over Edmonton uh, a few months ago or a month and a half ago. But, yeah, that game was like you, – after that game, you're thinking the Jets can beat anybody, right? So I think you're 100% right. The way the Jets finished the season was more emblematic of, of their team as opposed to the team who you know struggled pretty badly for 30 or so games. Or was it? And that's the mystery about these guys, right? Like, which version do you get? I like to think it's the 100% effort in all three zones, but we don't know until we see it. And Vegas is such a good team as well. It'll be a fascinating series. Murat Atesh will have it covered in depth for The Athletic. Murat, thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you again real soon. Always appreciate your time and insight on this morning's edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We'll see you in Crescent with Murat. I'll be the guy waving. <laughs> that sounds good, guys. Thanks so much. There he goes, Murat Atesh, this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. As I mentioned, when we come back, we'll give our prediction. Maybe we'll set, sit on the fence. Maybe we'll hedge our bets. No, no, we don't we'll sit on on the fence we do not sit on the fence i know the only time i already picked i already made my pick jets and six okay well there you thank you ezra for i was gonna say guys you know you couldn't just you know i'm trying to build a tease to keep the audience engaged while we go to also on the second episode of succession uh billy gets divorced (laughs) with uh mary and i have no idea what the characters names are that, that was evident based on your inane ramblings right there. That was more than evident. Uh, much more to come. More on the Jets and the Golden Knights. We'll look at all the series as well. Smash the like button. That's what Dave M is indicating there. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. He was also doing the sign for for a sandwich press. That's what Dave was doing too. Oh, that's, that also was, he was pressing a sandwich in his mind as well. Eric DeHatchik coming up at the bottom of the hour. That's right. It's a lengthier version of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Bonus time. Down. Bonus time, baby. We're going to go into overtime on this uh, morning's edition. Don't go anywhere. Drew Mandel, Dave Manouk, Ezra Ginsberg are up next with more of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Great conversation so far this morning. Great conversation still to come. It's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show Saturday morning. We look forward to seeing everybody on Tuesday night for the Illegal Curve post-game show after the Golden Knights and the Jets. You know it'll be a late night, but that's all right. We're going to be up and rocking, talking about game one between these two teams. More information to come, of course, regarding an Illegal Curve uh, live broadcast. We hope to give you that information just as soon as we can. In the meantime, time though be sure you're subscribed to the youtube channel subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a minute of our live broadcasts here and drew just sorry i just want to jump in on here because leslie is uh, going to game three and i know i just had a buddy message me obviously demand is high for tickets because he is currently 1921 in the queue to get tickets for the playoffs so uh i guess the the demand is uh showing that folks i imagine it's been sold out already though right just went on sale as he about uh, 40 minutes no, ago. No, 40 minutes ago. So, exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's going to take long to sell out, is what I'm saying. No, yeah, I don't you think know, so I, I was unsure. Um, had they, uh, you know, I, I didn't, I well, wasn't. Had they I mean, for, 
had things maybe gone, you know, two, three, and one in their last six games and sort of backed into the playoffs. Yeah. And then maybe I could see there being a little bit more hesitation. But maybe the fact that they that they actually played well down. It will be a sellout. But I'll tell you, if there's ever been a Ginsburg guarantee, I mean, Winnipeg is going to pack. And that nobody money. shows up. Yeah, no, but remember, you guys, that's got thirteen thousand five hundred for Game Three. <laughs> but you got to remember, and I think this is one of the things: the fans have not been in the building right for playoffs, for playoffs. in a long time, except and, for and, BL, BL Celtic. <laughs> well, BL Celtic, and obviously there were some healthcare workers who who got in during the uh, during that time. But including I mean, my sister-in-law, yep. including your sister-in-law. But I mean, I think that's one of those situations where. You know, the folks like the whiteout is what people live for. And that's what they're they're desperate for. And obviously the details, which are on a little site called illegalcurve.com. If people want to know, there's two different parties. There's the uh, party in the plaza, which is going to be a true north square. And then there's going to be the Winnipeg whiteout street party, which is on Donald from Portage to Graham. And uh, well, and, one- and don't forget about the third party, which is obviously uh, at Spencey's hot tub in Sage Creek. Yeah, absolutely. I don't actually think it's Spencey's Hot Club because I've been to Spencey's house, so I know Spencey isn't actually in Sage Creek. Hold so on, you've Spencey's... been to Spencey's house and I haven't? Well, yeah, I deliver Spencey's swag. Well, you were you had the option to come with me. You chose to, uh, to no, not. No, no, no. Right? You never asked me. You chose to parent instead? Yeah, exactly. How irresponsible of you, Ezra. Yeah. I, I chose to uh, use the magic eraser to get marker off the wall from Ruben writing <laughs> yeah. on the wall. You were That's his right new thing the... that he likes to do. He thinks well, it's I funny. thought that was what you were doing. He was just following your lead. He's like, Daddy yeah, does? I do. Exactly. You can't blame the kid for following what Daddy does writing on As the I wall. was walking out the door to come over here to Dave's house, all Ruben kept saying was stinky bum bum, stinky bum bum. So he thinks that's really funny as well. Well, that's I assume what he calls you on a regular basis is stinky bum bum. And I should mention, uh, five minutes prior to that, I was running around the house saying stinky bum bum, stinky bum bum. So, so that's where he got it from. There you Reg go. Dunlop is telling us he he just got in and all single tick game tick seats for game three. There you go. So the fans that a boy, Reg. That's his real name, by the way. The, the, and the, by the way, Drew, uh, you got a nice shout out from Mean Gene Oakland. Uh, hi, Mean Gene. Nice to see you. I always appreciate the uh, the, the shout outs from you. Uh, look, and I think it's important that uh, to note that the Jets play down the stretch has renewed confidence in this team. Everybody 100%. wants to look for the silver lining. Everyone wants to have reason to hope for them. And the fact that they've played well, and the fact that, as we talked about with Murat in depth, that the offensive numbers are positive. It isn't, look, Connor Hellebuck is obviously the linchpin to everything, but it's not like they've been getting caved in and solely relying on Connor Hellebuck for success. Yes, he's been a huge factor, as he always is, but the offense has been there. The forwards have been driving the play, and that's something that they should be able to do against the Golden Knights. As uh, as Murata touched on, You know, the Golden Knights are happy to give up possession so long as the puck is kept to the outside of the ice. They're really good at suffocating the middle, and the Jets are, or have been, especially when they struggled this year, we're a perimeter team. So it's going to be incumbent on the Winnipeg Jets to try and sort of defeat the Golden Knights at their own game. Vegas is going to say, we don't want to give up the middle of the ice and the Jets need to find a way to still be victorious in the middle of the ice because if everything's from the perimeter, then the Golden Knights will be able to strike fast in transition. And this the comment that Murat said, which really sort of raised my eyebrows, about people underestimating Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel is a fantastic player in this league. He hasn't had any playoff success, obviously, because this is his first taste of the playoffs. 
But if you think for a second that Jack Eichel is not is not able to take over a game on his own, then you really haven't been watching him close enough. Exactly. No, he is he's the best forward in this in this series, as far as I'm concerned. Well, he he's he's for sure the best offensive forward, right? And he and he's missed some time. I think what did he miss? Ten games this year, something like that. Twelve games. Uh, I'm not I think sure it was exactly. About Fifteen, if I'm not. There mistaken. you go. Fifteen. He but he was a season. he's always yeah. been a point per game player, right? That's like. It's just that he hasn't stayed healthy. That's always been the knock on, yeah. on Jack Eichel, including when the Golden Knights acquired him, right? Yeah. So you're 100% right. Like, if you're talking about offensive centers, he might even be as high as top five, to yeah. be honest with you, Drew. He's very least a top 10 offensive center. I mean, now we could have the debate about, you know, best all-around centers because obviously guys like Patrice Bergeron and, and Ryan O'Reilly, uh, you know, they would well, be higher not up. Ryan O'Reilly anymore, but uh, well, I, I two, mean, what two way? I'll take Ryan O'Reilly any of the day. Well, well but the, the look, best centers, I mean, here. obviously McDavid, Drysital. I mean, we know who the best centers are, but Eichel is not far from that from that no. level. No, and and the thing is, I think because of the injuries and and because the Jets haven't played the Golden Knights since December. I mean, people haven't seen Jets fans certainly haven't seen him as much unless you you know watch Golden Knights games. But going back to what we talked about with Murat, like. Even if Mark Stone has an impact in the series, I really don't think there's a big advantage when you compare the Jets' top 12 or the Golden Knights' top 12 or top 9 or you know whatever you want to say, right? Um, so really, if, if th this is going to be a close series, and I wouldn't be surprised. And, and there's a lot of series, Dave, that I could see there being a couple of overtime games. This series, I do think, is going to go six or seven games. I mentioned I'm picking the Jets in, in six. But when you have a series that could go seven games, obviously any team can win, right? And, and Hellebuck's goaltending is going to be a huge advantage for the Jets because he's playing at that same level that he was when he was winning the Vesna Trophy, right? He's for sure, you know, you know, in the conversation, I think, for the Vesna Trophy. I think Elliot Friedman already gave Hellebuck yeah. the Vesna Trophy for those last 13 games. But you're absolutely the I right. I think he gave him for his interview with them. Yeah, exactly. But I so Eichel is is for sure going to be somebody who the Jets are going to have to shut down. So when you're talking about defensive pairings, obviously Morrissey and Demello are most likely going to be tasks, or Dylan or Pionk are going to be tasks tasked with that shutdown role. And same thing with the Lowry Appleton Niederreiter line, right? Especially at home, Rick Bonus is going to try to get that line up against the Eichel line. But there's a lot of other guys that can hurt you on, on the Golden Knights, right? Well, like even Phil Kessel is having a, a pretty good year. But Jonathan Marcheseau, Riley Smith, mm -hmm. William Carlson, Michael Amadio, he's had success against the Jets. It, there's uh, a reason before. they finished first overall. Chandler Stevenson, exactly. So the, the Golden Knights are not going to be an easy out, but the Jets aren't going to be an easy out for the Golden Knights either. So I, I do think it's going to be super close, and it's going to be a fun series to watch. Because as you talked about, Drew, I mean, th this is going to be played at five on five, Mm -hmm. And it's really, it could come down to like a, a bad turnover here, a bad turnover there. I think a lot of these games are going to be one goal games. Well, it's worth noting that the Vegas Golden Knights are a front running team. They're uh, the second, they have the second most goals for in the first period in the NHL, 87 goals for in the first period, trailing only uh, the, the Edmonton Oilers. So the, when the Golden Knights get out to a lead, uh, they're very difficult to, uh, uh, to, to rein in. Uh, they have the 30 wins when they've led after the first period. So the Winnipeg Jets, that's a bit of a, not a concern for them, but something that they definitely have to be aware of is that goal. The Vegas likes to uh, start quickly. And when they're able to start quickly, uh, they, they tend to have a great deal of success. That said, the Jets are a top 10 team in terms of goals against. 
uh, in the first period. So the Jets have been stingy when it comes to giving up goals in the first period. So that's sort of going to be the first 20 minutes are going to be a very interesting uh, battle. And as Ticona Pauli here saying that the starts to this game are going to be a critical factor, no question about it, because uh, that's, you know, sometimes if you're not if the Jets, who've been a bit of a slow starter at times during uh, this regular season, if they are, if that continues over into the playoffs, Vegas might be out to a, to an early lead. I mean, you remember one of those games, uh, I think it was earlier this year, the Golden Knights, maybe that first game where they dominated the Jets. I think that was the one that they, that they beat the Jets handily and they had like a four nothing lead uh, yeah. before the game was about 10 or 12 minutes over. And then from then on, it was just nothing but uh, window dressing at that point in time uh, for the remainder of the game. The Jets have to be ready when the puck start, when the puck drops because Vegas has been so good early in the in the games Dave yeah no there's no question and that's going to be uh Connor Hellebuck I mean we've seen a lot of first first shot first goal for the opposition and then he locks it down in this instance the Jets can't afford to have that happen they they're going to need him to be the best player I mean he has to be the Jets best player I mean Mark Scheifele probably a close second uh along with a couple of other guys but you know Connor Hellebuck if the Jets if we're going to write in two weeks, three weeks time that the Jets won this series, it's going to be because Connor Hellebuck was the best player. And then the other guys all showed up and did what they needed to do. But, you know, for the Jets, to me, this is about Connor Hellebuck. And, you know, I want to talk about the goaltending matchup because I do wonder about the Jets' familiarity with Lauren Brassois and how much that will play yeah. into their benefit. I mean, the Jets... It can only Norm- be an advantage, Dave, right? Like, it's, it, it's there, there's, no way, there's no way that's, I mean, you could look at it from both sides, I guess, and say that he knows the tendencies of some of the Jets. Sure, shooters. absolutely. But to me, to me, it's more of an advantage for the Jets than than the Golden Knights. No, I agree. And and again, like, it's funny because I remember I was watching the Sabres-Habs game and it was it was that shootout game. I was watching the whole thing, so people don't wonder if I was feeling okay watching that game. But it was a, it would happen to go to a shootout, and it was like Eric Comrie versus Johnny Kovacevic. And it was funny because the announcer who obviously didn't know the history was like, "Well, it's you know uh, Comrie obviously won't have the book on him." I'm like, "Won't have the book on him? Of course he has the book on him. They have the book on each other." But you know, uh, it was it was an interesting duel, and I just think that it will be you know, like I said, these guys spent a lot of years together, and the Jets. You know, no, like Wade Flaherty knows everything about Lauren Brassois. I mean, obviously, with a new goalie coach, that you you pick up new techniques and new tendencies, but you still have Adam Francilla, right? Who's the guy that they both use in BC yeah. to to work with in the summer. So there is a lot of same things agent. that is same agent, yeah. Ray, Ray Petkow at a Steinbeck. Yeah. So you know, it, it to me that is going to be one of the most fascinating things about this whole um, series is going to be the. The you know student versus the master protege whatever you want to call it um, battle and and I do think I do wonder how the Jets knowing Brossois and you're right as he plays both ways Brossois face these guys he knows where they're like to go but you know that that to me will be something very interesting and and it's just another sort of uh, additional piece of fodder to be discussed throughout the course of this series. Hellebuck versus Brassois boys. Sorry, Drew, just going to quickly say, and if Brassois falters, and and, and and Drew made this point earlier, Brassois was completely dominant down the stretch, right? And yet he he's been good because he obviously hasn't played a ton of games, started a ton of games because uh, he was playing more so in the AHL this year, right? Yeah. yeah. But I think what what's a, a kind of a side, um, you know, a plot line is if Brassois struggles, who goes in next? Is it Jonathan Quick? Like, does Bruce Cassidy turn to Jonathan Quick? Or is Logan Thompson who was the starting goalie earlier in the season for the first half, do they go to Logan Thompson? That's kind of another scenario because we know that it's, it's Hellebuck or die, right? Like there's no, David Riddick isn't coming in unless Hellebuck <laughs> is injured in the series, right? So that's kind of a, 
a subplot to this is that you know who do the Golden Knights turn to in net if Brassois falters? Well, you know, and that goes back to the sort of the old adage that if you have two number one goaltenders, that means really means you have zero number one goaltenders. Uh, you know, which is uh, you know, uh, look, don't tell the Bruins team. that. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't yeah. think that necessarily. Don't applies tell the swayman that that doesn't necessarily apply as much as it used to. But no, I mean, look, the the, the Bruins are, you know have Linus Allmark. He's going to be their number one. He's their number one goaltender. Jeremy Swayman has been tremendous for them. But yep. you know, it, it, you know, Allmark is going to be their guy. There's no question yes. about it. But what uh, is this Bruins lunch? Well, no, we're not going to be talking about the Bruins. But Lauren Persuai is a is a fascinating subplot. Like you guys said, this is a guy who's really never had any playoff experience to speak of, who's come out of nowhere this year. His one playoff experience, uh, you know, came, you know, he, he must have been in 2016-17. He gave up two goals on eight shots as a member of the Oilers. So he definitely came in in mop-up duty yeah. uh, in a game there in the playoffs. But, you know, to all of a sudden step up and he's going to have to go up against the a Winnipeg Jets team that he's familiar with, has both his advantages for him and that he might know uh, some of the players' tendencies. And then the, the flip side, the players themselves, uh, you know, might know some of his tendencies and try and take advantage of it. So many layers, so many storylines to this series. And that's why I think it's going to be such a fascinating series. Uh, Dave, I'm not going to ask Ezzy because he blurted it out earlier, but maybe I'll give him an opportunity that's to expand on his thoughts to that effect. But I'll start with you. Your prediction, your thoughts on how this is going to play out over the next uh, fortnight. Well... Uh, I think it is going is to Dan be going to play Fortnite while he's giving his answer. I think that's no, I don't play question. Fortnite anymore. I used to though. Not hashtag not too, not too bad. Couple of, couple of, couple of, of wins, not a big deal, but uh, I think I'm inclined to go with Connor Hellebuck. I think there's a fire in Connor Hellebuck. I think he's, there's a recognition that this is the last chance for romance for this group. And I think Connor Hellebuck wants to, I, I, again, I, I, maybe I'm wrong. Cause we don't, I mean, I've been in the room more in the last, you know, this year than I have been in a long time. But there just seems to be a fire in his belly. There seems to be a uh, us against the world mentality. Remember the Jets, uh, I, the Jets team. I don't think they like having the 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 handle of of favorite. I think the Jets like an underdog. Us uh, against the world. Us against the world mentality. So to me, uh, I, I think that that they'll they've adopted that. They they like it when nobody's picking them in the series. They're probably hating the fact that the folks are saying it's a toss up. And I mean, you see it, you saw it in Nate Schmidt's interviews where he's like, perfect. You know, everybody's counting us out. Perfect. That's fine. We'll prove you wrong. And I think that that's what this mentality of this group is. And, and look, Vegas is a fantastic team. So we, we've spent, you know, the greater part of two hours talking about both teams and their successes and, and their weaknesses. So we know that these teams are not perfect by any stretch, but a lot, they have a lot of good things going for them. It's a long way of answering your question, Drew. I could have just gone very succinct nope, like as he did. I like it. But I, I'm going to go. Jets in seven. Jets in seven is what Dave M says. Ezzy, you said Jets in six. Do you want of to? Of course, someone's that remi- someone did remind me recently that my Calgary making the Stanley Cup final prediction wasn't such a good one. Uh, although they they tried to say that I said predicted the Flames would win. I said actually I had the Hurricanes. So boo on you. And then I of course Ezzy, I referenced when I picked when nobody else was picking the Dallas Stars to make the finals. I picked the Dallas Stars. Yeah, well, yeah. I picked the Islanders to win the Stanley Cup last year, and they missed the playoffs. So I will <laughs> say, though, that they finished the season strong and almost made the playoffs. And then, obviously, they did make the playoffs this year. So uh, I've had some pretty bad predictions. See, 2012, when I picked Todd Richards to win the Jack Adams, <laughs> and he was fired a week later. So uh, it doesn't get any worse than that, guys. Uh, the, Gold, the Blue Jackets you know, did turn it around a few years later, but obviously I was a little bit early. But 
I'll keep this quick here because we got Eric Duhatchet coming up uh, in about two minutes or three minutes. But yeah. the re- main reason why I'm picking the Jets in six is is Connor Hellebuck, the way he's playing. I, and I think especially if the Jets can steal game one and then the Golden Knights are in a position where they have to win four of six games to win the series. You could say that about any series here. But I think especially, you know, the Jets being a pretty big underdog or a significant underdog, I think, you know, stealing a game, uh, you know, in Vegas is is paramount. I mean, they have to do that. They can't win the series if they lo- lose the first two games. It's too hard. Um, but also because I don't think Mark Stone is going to be uh, necessarily an impact early on in the series, right? Like, it's not a guarantee he's going to play. So I think the the forward depth is is a wash, especially now that the Jets have moved Shifley to the wing um, and Niederreiter's on that third line. I mean, this is the best the top nine has looked. I mean, the fourth line, I mean, has been pretty consistent with guys like Kevin Stenland and, and Saku Manalainen, right? So I think the Jets you know, don't really have a disadvantage when it comes to the forward lines. And even though the Golden Knights you know, have more talent on defense, the Jets have got a, a ton of offense from the back end led by Josh Morrissey. Dylan DeMello is another guy who you know has had a career year, Brendan Dillon, right? So I'm picking the Jets in six, um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to seven games at all. There you go. So Dave and Ezzy are on the Jets wagon saying that they think they're going to win the series. Uh, Vicious knows me uh, a little bit too well. I think the Jets are going to make this a very competitive series. I think I don't think the Jets are going to get blown out, which is not what I believed, you know, a, a few weeks ago, a month ago. I thought the Jets would be done in three. I do think the Jets are going to uh, make this a very interesting series, but I think ultimately they're going to fall short. I have Vegas winning this in seven. I do think it's going to go the entirety i think it's going to go the length of the series but i do think that ultimately at it at the end of it all the vegas golden knights are going to emerge as the victors uh in this series yes dave well, i'm your thank you buzz killington no oh, yeah. i mean i'm being buzz honesty <laughs> that's fine like that. buzz honesty that was a good that was good drew well i will say not only are you hearing what our predictions are yeah we want you to make your predictions. I've set up a poll in the chat. So if you want to, uh, I was lazy. I just went Jets in six, Jets in seven, Golden Knights in six, Golden Knights in seven. I don't believe in four and five because neither none of us think it's going to happen, which Not means, happen. of course, it's going to be Jets in five. But the reality is just give us a vote. Let us know which which way you're swaying. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll reveal that when we uh, finish our chat with Eric Dachuk. That we will. And we also have a bracket challenge set up. Uh, Bailey can tweet out the link or send out the link in uh, the chat if she wants to copy and paste it there. But when we come back, Eric Duhatchik of The Athletic joins us for more playoff talk. Saturday morning, you're watching the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. We're live on YouTube. We're into overtime on this Saturday morning edition of the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. Normally we sign off now, but when we have an opportunity to welcome a guest, the status of our good friend Eric DeHatchik, we're willing to go lengthier. We're willing to go into overtime to talk about the playoffs with Eric. You know Eric from his great work, of course, with TheAthletic.com. Eric, good to see you. How are things? Yeah, good, good. Like you guys, very excited about uh, what we might see in this year's playoffs. Uh, I've been doing what you've been doing uh, most of the morning and a lot of yesterday, assembling my panel of the anonymous coach and scout and executive that I always call at this time of year for predictions. And uh, the only problem with uh, with talking to longtime NHL people, they don't like picking upsets. You know, I'm sitting there thinking, <laughs> wow. You know, I, I think we're going to have eight favorites uh, going through, but but they're always willing to, to make the argument for 
say Florida over Boston. And then when it comes time to make a pick, it's like ah, Boston in five. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. They, they talk about why it could happen. And then they say why it won't happen. Well, exactly. You've yeah. nailed it there. <laughs> uh, Eric, we've spent the last two plus hours talking about the jets and the golden Knights, because of course that is the focus mm-hmm. of everyone here in Winnipeg. And those of us who are tuning in from uh, Vegas as well, listening to our perspective from your perspective, looking at these two teams, I want to start with that series. Cause I, always interested in what you're seeing when you look at this Jets team that has been so topsy-turvy all year round and then this Golden Knights team that has been uh you know battled through the injury bug to finish atop the Pacific Division when you look at that first round series what are you, what is your breakdown what are your eyes and, and brain telling you about the Jets and the Golden Knights well, it's okay. I'll start with uh, with Vegas because the one thing that that like I, I'm completely impressed with what they've accomplished. When you think about the adversity they've had, you know, trying to sort out the goaltending, beginning from you know when Robin Leonard, it was clear that he wasn't going to be able to to start the season, and and the various options that they've tried, and and it's just been patch and plug, and and very rarely does patch and plug work at such an important position. And yet they've managed to, you know, they, they, they won a very, very tough division, a very competitive division with patch and plug goaltending, you know, key injuries on, on the blue line, important players missing up front. I, I mean, it, it's admirable. And, and, and in some ways, like, I don't even understand it. I, I watch them play a lot and, and, you know, and I'm looking at like, you know, they're getting so much out of Michael Amadio and, you know, players that, uh, you know, that have, that are borderline NHLers or have been up until this stage of the career. So uh, it, on paper, it, it looks pretty close, you know, and, 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 and yet there's an intangible to this Vegas team. It almost seems as if uh, after last year's disappointment, they sat down at the end of the year and said, okay, we're better than this. And we need to prove to people that we're better than this. And then they demonstrated that uh, after 82 games. I mean, they're, a, they're, they're, they're physical. They're, they're, they're deep on the blue line and, and, I think you know the biggest question mark is this, the one that I'm sure everyone has talked about. You know what version of Jack Eichel will will emerge? Here's a guy that's hungry for playoff success that has hasn't had any to, to this point in, in his career, and it, it it could be a coming out party for for Jack Eichel. And if it is a coming out party for Jack Eichel, and if he if he performs at the level of his draft pedigree and the, and at, at the level that we've seen at times this year from him where, where he does look like an elite level player, then I think that tips the scales in favor of Vegas. But this is one where a lot of it depends on which version of the Winnipeg Jets we're going to see. Is it that <laughs> team that was really good in the first half? You know me, I like, I've, I've always liked their team on paper. Every time mm-hmm. I come on this podcast, I tell you that I like, you know, their, their forward depth. Uh, you know, I think their defense is better than people give it credit for. And, and they have, you know, an established, all-star goaltender which not everybody in the west has and so um you know but but that team that that was playing you know before they sort of went on this little surge looked uh disinterested and uh, it, it it you know they, they were half a step behind everybody all the time so i don't think you'll see that version in the playoffs i think that you know what they accomplished in the last couple of three weeks of the season uh it has them trending in, in the right direction the playoffs should bring out the best in all of those players and so if you and you know how I, this is another exercise i do i go man by man down the roster because sometimes you know like if if you're if you're only trying to evaluate the big picture you know like who's the seventh best forward on each team who's the 13th best forward on each team who's the fourth best defenseman if you go man by man down those rosters 
you know, Winnipeg has the edge. Like they, they're just better in, 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 you know, in more of those, you know, one versus one, two versus two. So to me, it's a coin flip. Uh, but the one reason that, like, uh, I, and I'm not making picks, but but I would probably pick Vegas in this series is simply because they have they have become a little bit like what they were in the first year. So why did Vegas succeed as that expansion team? They, they were they were better than the sum of the individual parts, right? I mean, they you know they took all these expansion pieces and all of a sudden, you know, they get it together and they win the division and they go all the way to the Stanley Cup final and then they end up losing to to Washington and it you know on paper it was like I don't know I can't figure it out but they they were better than the sum of the individual parts which I think they are again and at different times this year Winnipeg has been worse than the sum of their individual parts so like when I'm sort of weighing and balancing and and, and trying to see which way I, I tilt that I tilt to the Vegas side and Eric, we want to get your, your, you know, talk. We want to talk about, you know, some of the other series. Obviously, you know, the Edmonton Oilers uh, were pushing the Golden Knights for first in the division and first in the Western Conference. And I, I, we want to get your take. I think you'd agree that the Oilers are one of the most dangerous teams in the Western Conference right now, winning yep. their last nine and everything like that. But just one more question on the Jets Golden Knights series. We obviously spent a good part of today's show, you know, talking about the series and. For me, like, you know, the one thing that I would give the, the Golden Knights a huge edge in the series, if Mark Stone had played a little bit towards the end of the regular season yeah. and we knew that he was fully healthy, but there's a, a big question mark whether Mark Stone's even going to play in game one. And I think you'd agree, if Stone is healthy, yeah. I mean, he's one of the best right-wingers in the entire game. And sure. I think he would he would have, a, you know, he would sway, you know, sway the favor in terms of Golden Knights big time if he's able to play significant uh, games in the series. Well, I would agree with that, but I would also say that, you know, once a player has been out of the lineup for that period of time, it takes usually a game or two to, to get up to NHL speed and then, you know, the playoffs are, are played at another level. So, of course, I mean, Mark Stone, you know, if, if he's healthy, is usually in the conversation with the best defensive uh, you know, forward in, in the National Hockey League. He's got a great stick. You know, the way he, you know, comes back on the bat check and strips the puck and turns the play the other way. They've been missing that. They, clearly, they've been missing that. Um, but but I, it, it is really hard to do what, say, Patrick Kane did a few years back where he, you know, missed all of that time and then came back in the playoffs and bingo, right, right off the hop was was excellent. I mean, Kucherov did, did the same thing. I just think that the way Stone plays, it will take him a little bit longer to, to get up to, to speed. So I think he is a valuable piece for them as the playoffs progress but I'm not sure how much of an impact he would necessarily have right off the bat Eric Dehatchik our guest on the illegal curve hockey show Saturday morning talking about the rest of the playoff series after we spent the two plus hours talking about the Winnipeg Jets and the Vegas Golden Knights well uh, Ken Holland may win GM of the year just for uh, acquiring Matthias Ekholm uh, that looks like just the greatest trade in the history of trade deadline acquisitions right now Eric because those Edmonton Oilers are, are fearsome and I know a lot of Jets fans we're happy, despite the fact that they swept Edmonton a few years back, we're happy to allow the LA Kings to potentially soften uh, the Oilers up a little bit. But this Edmonton team, aside from the obvious dry sidle McDavid, they've got Evander Kane. They've got probably, as he's been calling it, the quietest 100-point season of all time in Ryan Nugent Hopkins. So, And Stuart Skinner looks like he's you know, emerged as, as, a, as a number one goaltender. So what are you seeing from these Oilers? And do you think there's any chance that LA has in this series I mean, because LA's been shown they were one of the best teams after the trade deadline as well. Yeah, well, uh, so I, I do think Edmonton is is 
is is is the favorite in, in the West. I would even rank them ahead of, of Colorado right now. Uh, you know, for all the reasons that you just cited, you know, they they managed to you know to integrate those trade deadline acquisitions and and they fill the need. So so sometimes you know I, I look at the way general managers you know act at, at the trade deadline and sometimes you're you're puzzled because it's like okay you know why did they you know go out and get that guy they have that already but Edmonton filled two specific needs one for that you know that stay at home Adam Larson kind of a defenseman that they that they haven't had since Larson left to, to go to Seattle in the, in the expansion draft and they were clearly missing that so you know, he's come in and been an instant impact player for them and, and I think that you know Bukestad coming in from uh, from uh, Arizona just further uh, deepened that that bottom group so if, if you go back and look at last year's preview when when we were talking about Edmonton it was you know do they have the depth around Drysaddle and, and McDavid and I would say the answer right now is yes you know I look at their top five forwards you know and I include the three that you mentioned plus Hyman and 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 Evander Kane and and they're all impactful players and then Yamamoto's been better the last three weeks um, you know I thought he was a bit erratic uh, uh, prior to that but th th they're just better one to twelve now than they were a year ago. Ekholm adds a dimension that they didn't have. And the one thing that surprised me, I mean, you know, you talk about the, the work that Holland did. It was a risk moving Tyson Berry in that deal because Tyson Berry was the, the quarterback of a power play that, that was the best in, in NHL history. And the fact that they were able to so smoothly transition away from Berry and promote Bouchard from, you know, QB2 to QB1 and, and continue to... To perform at that level, I think was really, really extraordinary and important. And and you hit on the wild card, which is that, you know, if you look at last year's Edmonton LA series, which I covered, and by the way, was frantically entertaining because LA, you know, <laughs> they, they, LA, you know, won that first game and just put them on notice that they weren't going away quietly. Um, the goaltending has been completely changed on both sides, right? So it was Mike Smith and and, and Koskinen on the Edmonton side, and it was mm -hmm. Quick and Cal Peterson on the other side, and poof, all four are gone. And <laughs> and uh, so you know, Skinner has you know obviously twenty nine wins, you know, one more than Grant Fuhr had in his rookie season. He's been exceptional, but you know, and rookie goalies in the playoffs sometimes are great, and sometimes the moment gets to them. So we'll we'll have to see how that goes. I do think. That Corpus Allo is, is is an important upgrade for the Kings goaltending, which hadn't been good up until that point. And then, you know, their equivalent to the Ekholm trade was bringing in Gavrikov from Columbus. Same exact philosophy, right? They needed help on the left side, and they needed a little bit more size and grit. And and Gavrikov has given them that. And then the only other thing I would say, and this is more based on again last year's series, is that. As you know, McDavid and Drysaddle, fantastic, right? I mean, two points a game, you know, probably do that again this playoff. But they'll have to go head to head against Kopitar and Deneau. And those are experienced, really good defensive players. So, you know, there are some matchups where McDavid and Drysaddle would just roll over the teams. But I think that LA has the has the defensive awareness at the center ice position to at least make it a little bit more difficult for them. I mean I'm picking Edmonton to to come out of the Western Conference, but but I do think that you know that LA they're battlers and and they have a good good structure. I, I really like the coaching staff there, Todd McClellan and Trent Yanni and the, you know the rest of that that crew. They're they're smart, good game planning coaches, and so I I, I think it'll be another fantastic series. 
Eric, there's one team that's not getting talked about at all from my perspective. They have what I would describe as a top 10 goalie. They have a top 10 goal scorer, you know, in Jason Robertson. Of course, I'm talking about the Dallas Stars. They have a number of guys who are almost point-to-game players. They have a horse on the back end in Miro Heiskanen. You know, why is nobody talking about the Dallas Stars? Because I think that they are a, in my books, they might be the second best team in the Western Conference. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a great question. And and when I sat down there and 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 put teams on paper, I got like that's the exercise I do. I, I put three teams that I thought could emerge from the West: Edmonton, obviously, mm-hmm. Colorado, obviously, and Dallas was my was the other team that I put there. And that was, you know, when I started doing this exercise, it wasn't really clear whether Dallas would win the Central, you know, or or in the particular case uh, uh, after Colorado won. Uh, on Friday night, they've slipped back into that uh, two slot, and now they've got Minnesota. But but no, I, I agree with you. I, I think that part of the, the reason that no one's talking about them is because you, you don't really get excited about uh, about a team that has that kind of there, – there's no um, – identity i guess right so you know you think about edmonton and you think about the way mcdavid drives the offense you think about colorado and the way mckinnon does and 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 the player that that drives dallas right now is jason robertson who's who's just really good right like he he just you know 200 foot player great hands around the net you know i mean he should be on everybody's mvp ballot you know because we get to vote for for five players um you know and then you've got you know and it kind of an older Joe Pavelski who had a flat spot at, at, at one point in the season, you know, Rupe hints. We always do that thing about the most underrated player in, in the NHL. I think it's time to update that because all of the players we used to talk about, you know, the Barkovs and so on are, are no longer underrated. And so right. now you can move Rupe hints into that, you know, former spot occupied by, by Barkov, way better player than a lot of people realize. And then, you know, Jamie Ben had a bounce back year, uh, you know, Tyler Sagan, I don't think is ever going to be the player that, that he once was because of all of those, those injuries. So, uh, and, and it, it does, the depth kind of falls off a little bit after that, you know, Wyatt Johnson had a real good rookie year, but, but once you get past the name guys, then, then there's a whole bunch of anonymous pluggers who just you know contribute and 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 play hard so you know another team that i would say is that you know is better than the sum of the individual parts and they have the goaltending right i mean you know jake ottinger and connor connor hellebuck are arguably the two best goaltenders in the western conference and we've all been around long enough to know that if ottinger gets hot which he did i remember last year against calgary i mean he practically stole that that series you know dallas really had no business being in that uh, series against calgary and yet it went right down to the wire because ottinger was fantastic so ottinger playing at the level he did at last year's playoffs they, they can beat anybody i agree especially especially if kibaranta is going to score five goals like he did uh well, during that bubble year that that came out of nowhere right so well no i think exactly. dallas and minnesota yeah yeah, no, oh, I was ahead, just going to say, he, he, he's, he, you know, he's a guy that's, you know, like, the, I, again, I was looking at the lines and he's, you know, he's on the fourth line and he's probably playing, you know, eight or nine minutes a night. So, you know, if you get one of those magical, you know, uh, Dave Lowry kind of playoffs, you never know, right? You never know. So. Yeah, we, and, and, you know, just to continue the theme, we're talking about the Oilers, maybe a little Fernando Pisani uh, back, yeah. in, back in 2006, if you want to go way back. But, you know, Eric, or Chris Contos, if you really want to go okay, back. Okay, yeah, Chris, Chris Contos. <laughs> we actually had Chris Contos on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. I think it was to talk about he played in the Olympics back in the day for Team Canada. Was that why we had him on, Drew? I think it was because of that. But I do remember we had Chris Contos on 
Um, yeah. So that, that was a, that was an excellent reference. Um, yeah. I, or John Drews. That was the other guy I was thinking about. Oh, John Drews, about another Jets guy. 1.0, yeah. right? Yeah. I know Drew yeah. and Dave will appreciate that one. But yeah. Yeah. just switching over to the East because, I mean, obviously Toronto, Tampa Bay, I mean, is, is de deservedly so going to get the headlines because of the, the moves Toronto made, you know, with Ryan O'Reilly being at the top of that list and the fact that the Leafs haven't, you know, got past the first round in about 30 years here. Um, but the series I wanted to ask you was about Carolina Islanders because the Carolina Hurricanes are a team that, that I picked to go to the Stanley Cup final at the beginning of the year, which means absolutely nothing because my predictions are horrible. Um, but the, the, when you look at the Hurricanes, right, like Andre Svechnikov, that injury is 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 obviously detrimental. Max Pacioretty, but I still look at that Hurricanes team, and may, I'm, it might be higher than them, but they were still a 113 point team um, even without those even without those players, right? Svechnikov obviously missed less time than than Pacioretty, but I thought that the the, the matchup for the Hurricanes is maybe the worst matchup that you could get. Uh, even though the Islanders struggled a little bit down the stretch, but we know Matt Barzell is going to be good to go. What is kind of your assessment of that series? I, I still would pick the Hurricanes if, if you know, I was forced to make a pick, but I feel like the Islanders are, are not going to be an easy out for the Hurricanes. No, well, I agree. And, and again, I'm not making picks, but if I was, I would, that would be my one upset special. I, I look at the, at the wildcard teams and, and, and to me, the most dangerous one is New York. And, and I also think this is a really favorable matchup because the strength of Carolina is its structure, but that's also the strength of the Islanders, their structure. And so, um, you know, you, you, to me, it's, it's an absolute coin flip. And and the, the one thing, I mean, it, I, I love the Islanders goaltending way more than I like Carolina's. You know, Sorokin has had a, a year where he's in the Vesna Trophy conversation. You know, Freddie Anderson has been hurt and he's been up and down. It would, it would drive me crazy if I was a coach or a manager because you just, never know from night to night which version of, of Anderson you get. Ranta has been an excellent backup for him this year. I had him on my fantasy team for a while. Like he, he, he would come in and get wins and get shutouts, but can you really ride Ranta uh, if, if, if Anderson uh, falters? And, and then, you know, last year they were down to their third choice who also when, when pressed into service cut Chekhov, uh, was was very good. So, but but I don't like the uncertainty of their goaltending going into this playoff against an Islander team that has a uh, Sorokin there. Now, I, I like Carolina's defense way more than I like the Islanders' defense, and I think that's where they have the biggest edge. But up front, you know, with Svechnikov out of the mix, and as you say, Barzell come coming back in, Horvat is a guy that they acquired because they thought they could win with him in the playoffs. Uh, Brock Nelson, you know, he, I would put him right there with uh, with Rupe Hints on my list of under uh, appreciated NHL players. He's he had a fantastic season, and then you know you've got you know heavy players like like Anders Lee. I mean, these are the playoffs, and 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 heavy player. I had I had somebody tell me the other day, he said, "Do you remember what the old time GMs used to say?" And I said, "What?" And he said, "At this time of year." big players squish little players <laughs> i laughed i thought that if that was true in the 80s it's probably still true now and and and, and i like the the size of, of the islanders and the heaviness of, of their game so that to me that's a pick them and, and and i think that the islanders have a chance there you know eric i was going to ask about the leafs lightning series but i really just want to know which e-bug you think is going to be in net to, <laughs> to defeat the lightning for the leafs i'm just kidding but but realistically what do you think in terms of that series because it seems like Toronto is ready to finally get over that hump and, oh. and finally get past the Lightning uh, for the first time in the playoffs. 
That, uh, okay, so I, all of my, my panel have all said the same thing. And, and I'm there trying to push back a little bit as an interviewer. And I said, well, okay, so but Tampa, you know, they played 12 playoff series in the last three years. And, and the answer was, well, you know, maybe they're running out of gas. And I said, well, that's a reason for them not to go four rounds in the playoffs, but it's not a reason for them not to win one round of the playoffs. And so, uh, I mean, last year, I, I think the reason that people are picking Toronto is because Toronto really gave Tampa a, a, a great series last year and it was so close and, and Toronto is better. So, so if Toronto is better and the Island and, and the lightning are, are slightly worse, which they are, because I don't think they have the, uh, the horses on defense that they had a year ago, then that should tilt the, the scales in, uh, in favor of Toronto. Plus Toronto was just a better regular season team, but I, I hate going against a team with a Stanley cup cup pedigree because the game changes and, and it's just, it, it's largely the pressure really, you know, so those players in Toronto will be facing un, an unbelievable weight going into this, uh, the, this playoff. Uh, I think it really helps Tampa to, to start on the road because, you know, they're going in there trying to win one of two. And then, you know, if it starts to get down to one, one, two, two, three, three, like it did last year, well, you know, Tampa went into Toronto and won game seven last year. And, and so I, I'm just not prepared to write Tampa off. I mean, you know, Kucherov is healthy point has had an outstanding season, you know, Stamkos, I don't think, you know, has duplicated what he did a year ago. Vasilevsky's not nearly the, the goaltender that he was when, you know, a, a year, two years ago, when, when we could clearly say he was the best goalie in the NHL and everybody else is competing for number two. Um, but I think he's capable of, of, of raising the level of his play. And uh, Hedman hasn't had a great year. And, and I'm not even sure if he'll start on the first power play because Sergachev has been so good. I, I, I think, again, it, it'll be fascinating to watch. It will be back and forth. And I, 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 I'm reluctant to pick against Tampa Bay. I guess is the best thing I'm going to say right now. Probably and the hardest was, hardest series to predict, right? Well, yeah, and yet as I say, I, I you know everybody I talk to is picking Toronto. Like I have not heard one person except me raise my hand and say, "Well, what about Tampa?" You know, they, <laughs> they've got yeah, all they've done play. is won two Stanley Cups and go to the final three years uh, in a row, right? Exactly. I, I can't get my head around the fact that the people are 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 so universally like like if it was 50 percent on toronto and 50 percent on tampa that would be fine because i think it's kind of one of those pick them series but but that is not it everybody i talk to is, is saying this is toronto's year and, and and it could be you know in some ways you know the the well, I'll put it this way. You guys are based in Winnipeg. I'm based in Calgary. No Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup since 1993. If Edmonton were to come out of the West and Toronto were to come out of the East, what do you think that would do for the country? I mean, that would be fun. Eric, that would be the two most obnoxious fan bases going at each other. Let me tell you, it would be, it'd be, there'd be a level of toxicity on the internet that would be unmatched. Yeah. Okay. But don't but, go but, on Twitter okay. if that happens. Okay. But see that that's the thing. So I, I, I'm not on social media very often. Right. So I only care about it from the pure perspective of watching hockey. So now you got Connor McDavid and Drysaddle on the one hand and you've got Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner on the other. And you know, somebody is going to win the Stanley cup after a 30 year drought. It's 30 years, right. Since Montreal won. I, as as someone that enjoys watching hockey and you know and doesn't get into Twitter fights with people, I, I, I would I would I would be okay with that. I would like that. Think about the void in your life, Eric. Not fighting with random strangers you've never met. Think about how you you know what you're missing out on. Uh, last <laughs> last question to you. Uh, you know I don't think we've mentioned their name yet in this interview, or if we have, it's only been in passing. Why can any of these teams in the East beat the Boston Bruins? 
Yeah, well, no, it's a great question. Uh, I did an essay about three years ago before uh, the Tampa 2019 playoffs, and and Tampa had a similar kind of a year. I think they won 62 games. They were the heavy odds-on favorite. And um, and I talked to Scotty Bowman because you know in my research I found that you know Scotty Bowman won all those Stanley Cups, but he often won them with teams that had 96 points or 101 points. And the best teams he had, especially in Detroit didn't win they they you know they they couldn't get it done and uh and and so i think boston is in the same and then of course you know tampa lost to, to columbus and then a whole bunch of people on on the one side were mad at me because they thought that i jinxed to tampa and then a whole bunch of other people were, were thought hey you know like the crystal ball was pretty good that year so I, i'm not prepared to predict that but i i would like to at least open the possibility that when you go coast to coast the way the way boston did um, takes a lot of energy out of uh, out of your team. Um, you, you know they really never hit a, hit a flat patch, and, and that's what happened with with Tampa. You know they had they had a bad week, and 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 they were out very very quickly. So, you know you've got a Florida Panthers team waiting for them there. A year ago, Florida were the President's Trophy champions. They had you know the best team. They didn't have much of a playoff history, but but they looked really really good, and they made the, all the right moves at the trade deadline. And and they couldn't get it done. So that 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 is my argument that there is you know on paper they should be favored in in every series, but the game's not played on on paper. Depth, which they have coming out of their whatever, uh, it really helps you the further you go along the path. But you know Florida's a dangerous lurker. If they get past Florida, you know Tampa and Toronto are are really really good teams. And then you know who knows who comes out of. Uh, out of the central so it's step by step by step and lots of things have to go right for you but on paper with the depth they have in goal you know seven deep on on the blue line you know bringing in Bertuzzi Taylor Hall uh, healthy again they're really good <laughs> they're really good and and once in a while the best team wins but a lot of times in the National Hockey League it doesn't and so that's that that's the best that I can do for that <laughs> Eric Dehatchik, he covers the NHL for theathletic.com. He's one of our favorite guests. Eric, we always appreciate your time. We always appreciate your insight. It's going to be a hell of a first round, and it's only going to get better from there. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. All right, my pleasure. Take care, Eric. Thanks so much, Eric. There he goes, our good friend Eric Dehatchik, joining us this morning on the Illegal Curve Hockey Show. As this is we like went, times. Yes, we went into overtime on this Saturday morning, and my kids were wondering what was going on because I'm usually upstairs by now, and that's making why pancakes. Yeah, no, we already had French toast for breakfast. We have breakfast before the show, Dave. It's almost lunchtime. Come on, get with the get with the routine. If you're but, having French toast in France, is it just toast? And like when I, was in note, China, I was, when I was in China, I was just eating food. Yes. And on that well, note, we say a big thank you to all the sponsors of Illegal <laughs> Curve who make the Saturday show, the post game show, and the website a possibility. Our friends at Rumors Restaurant and Comedy Club, Linden Market Dental Center, Zapia Group Realty, Betway, Tough Duck, Boston Pizza, Seagram's. Rollies Transfer, Grid Park, and the Keg support these fine businesses because of their continued support of Illegal Curve Hockey. Big thanks to Murata Tesh. Big thanks to Eric Dehatchik for joining us. In case you missed any of the interviews or any of the extensive preview we did on the Jets and the Golden Knights, it's available for immediate replay on YouTube, and the podcast will be up very shortly thereafter. Be sure to smash the like button on our YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube page, and of course, uh, leave us feedback here, there, and everywhere, especially on iTunes as well. We always love to hear what you think of the program. Rudy, we want to let the people know what the 
final poll what numbers were? Sure, go quick. I'm going to end the poll right now. Jets in six, crowd had 54%. Actually, I ended it and then I lost it. Jets in six, crowd 54%. Jets in seven, crowd 23%. Golden Knights in six, 20%. And Drew, I believe you had Golden Knights in seven. Yeah. You're a, well, Drew, we've always said this about you. You're a one percenter. There you go. I, exactly. I'm in the top 1% uh, of wealth and of opinions when it comes to hockey. Uh, big thanks to everyone for joining us. Reminder, Tuesday night, the Illegal Curve post-game show right after the Jets and the Golden Knights. Uh, True. We'll be- by the way, the Moose Moose I playoff know. dates have been revealed, so you might want to let the folks know they want it. can't go to Jets game, playoff games. Friday, Sunday next week. Friday, Sunday. It's going to be a busy Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Woo! Exactly. Friday, so no, third, yeah. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday uh, for Jets and Moose playoff games in downtown Winnipeg. Uh, be sure to keep it locked to all of our social media at Illegal Curve. Uh, be sure to keep it locked to illegalcurve.com. All the latest news, everything to do with the playoffs, and any sort of information about an Illegal Curve live broadcast, we'll bring it to you just as soon as we can. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Spency. I appreciate the insult. Read it for the it. podcast, Drew. Read it for the podcast. Yeah, Spency says similar results to the IC personality popularity poll. Drew got 1% there as well. Thank you for that, Spency. I appreciate the love. We appreciate the love from everyone who's joined us this oh, morning. Spency. We'll see you all again soon. We'll see you Tuesday night. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. If it's Saturday, it's the Illegal Curve Hockey Show, live on YouTube and all of our social media platforms. Thanks for listening to this broadcast from Illegal Curve Hockey. For more great Illegal Curve content, subscribe to the Illegal Curve YouTube channel, follow at Illegal Curve on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit your online home for hockey in Winnipeg, IllegalCurve.com.